Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys for being back with us here for episode number 161 here on monday january the 20th 2020 we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again as we kick off season 17 thank you guys for being back with us i'm joe Morata. that's michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody 2020 that's so weird that you said that isn't that crazy yeah but man, we are uh, we are back for another season. We had a week off yeah. last week. We had the Slammies. Right. The, the 86 Slammies. Slammies. If you didn't check that out with Mona Flambe and Mona all that Flambe, stuff. Mona Flambe, I'll never forget. <laughs> never forget about it. We hope you guys liked that if you caught it on either YouTube or on this regular podcast feed. It was a fun time watching the 86 Slammies, which uh, neither of us had seen before. I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> um, and it was very weird because very it weird. wasn't for like best match. It was like for best guy that sang a song, sang a song in the company or best whatever. Best guy that was in the video yeah. of the guy that own the company yeah <laughs> but folks if you want to have some company you can go over to twitter at ovp podcast you can follow us there lots of great little silly and sometimes reflective videos from wrestling's past kind of like our show but in little twitter clip form little twit bites form. twit form yes twit. so go to at ovp podcast on the twit and you can also email us if you use that at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is oh vp podcast at gmail.com but quinn not only do we have the twit form and not yeah. only do we have the gmail we have a facebook group to hang yeah. out and talk there facebook.com slash flambe it's yes. a great site where you can talk about a lady in a wig who yep. may or may not be cindy Lauper. correct and you know how you can get there no you go to the facebook.com slash friends whatever the, yeah i have the whatever website. Their address is right, facebook you ever hear of them uh-huh um you go over there there's a search bar. It's amazing. You type our vantage point, Dash Retro Wrestling Podcast, Bing Bang Boom, Tubes, Gore, Kafui, all the stuff. Right. All Flambe, the Flambe. <laughs> Flambe and, is a new one. And obviously, you know, they, the operator's standing by. They're like, hey, this person knows Mona Flambe. Yeah. They can be on the board. Yeah, and Joe then, Merkel will let them yeah, in or Richie. Yeah, yeah whomever. <laughs> whoever's in charge of that. And boom, you're in. You can talk about all the great wrestling things. Yep, all the great wrestling things. The whole point of the OVP Podcast Facebook group, what we try to do, folks, is I don't know if you've noticed, but there can be a fair amount of negativity on uh, wrestling Twitter and on the IWC in general. So what we try to do on our Facebook group is we try to just have positive discussions about retro wrestling. It doesn't mean you have to like everything, but it means if you're going to disagree, you do it politely, right? I politely disagree. Don't be a dingus. Don't be a dingus. That's what we say. Yes. So if you don't want to be a dingus and you want to talk about with other retro wrestling fans that aren't dinguses dingai maybe dingai, dingai. yeah if you don't want if you <laughs> want to hang people that aren't dingai go to our facebook group talk about the retro wrestling there and uh, we're gonna have more information later in the show about our patreon and that's if you want that extra fix of ovp content and over there we're talking about pay-per-view reviews wwf 1983 live reviews live video in general and a back archive of content and that's a patreon.com slash ovp podcast so michael yes we are kicking off season 17 today. Wow, 17 seasons. 17 we're, seasons. We're almost approaching The Simpsons. We are. <laughs> yes, we are. And now what we're doing this time around, folks, you know, wrestling has evolved, they say. 
They do say that it st- all the time. It started, you know, thousands of years ago with right. the Greeks and the Romans. Rick and Flair was there. <laughs> and was, it, you can see his cave. matches on cave paintings. Yeah. Comptasio. Uh, really an amazing, very old sport. Right. Uh, the oldest. Now, in the early days, obviously, the wrestling was a lot of uh, hairy men rolling around for hours until they fixed yeah. it. And they made it, literally fixed it. And they made it uh, not fake, necessarily, but worked. We say yeah, right, or, or maybe the emperor said, you know, don't yeah. do that anymore. Just fast forward, speed yeah. this up. <laughs> whoever, whoever was in charge back right. then. Over the course of time, especially in the 20th century, as wrestling got more modern, there's been a lot of influences, things that led to what we have today. And what we're going to cover this season are things from that retro period that we love. We're talking the 70s through the 90s, mainly. Sometimes the 2000s. Sometimes the 2000s, where we're talking about things that just influenced wrestling, made it what it is today, for better or for worse. And Quinn, you are the first to uh, pick this topic here, the influencers. And folks, you can shoot us your suggestions. You can do that on any of the aforementioned uh, avenues, such as Facebook twitter or our gmail but quinn what's your pick what's the thing you want to talk about as an influence on the business so the pick for this week is a match type okay a match this, type. this this influencers thing it could be anything it could right? be a wrestler yeah it could be a wrestler a match type a maybe show a, a, an important person to you know maybe even just a business person yeah, whatever, non-wrestler non-wrestler whatever i chose the tlc match i don't The TLC match, okay. Yes. The tables, ladders, and chairs match. Yes. So why don't we talk about how we got there to begin with and then TLC's influence on wrestling today. Okay. You've ever heard of the ladder match? Remember that? Yeah, that was pretty cool. (laughs) That time, you know, Shawn Michaels fought Bret Hart on Coliseum video (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, that one. Intercontinental ladder match! Now, the ladder match was a... Invented in the seventies, from what I understand, right. in Stampede himself or not something. By Bret Hart. I know, but he said he likes to act like he invented it. You know, I was the first one to have a ladder match, yeah. but he wasn't. But it was invented uh, in Stampede, and it wasn't the first specialty match. Obviously, the steel cage match had existed already. Mm-hmm. Texas Death Match. You know, you had your bull rope match. Bag there was of a, money on a pole match. Bag of money on a pole. There was a time, actually, when the Battle Royal was a very novel concept, mm-hmm. and when even a tornado tag was a very novel concept. Yeah, where you don't have to tag. Right. So why is it called a tag? Right, exactly. Uh, but the ladder match was interesting in that you're taking something you usually use to get higher, like in your house, or to yeah. paint something, mm-hmm. you know, like a painter's Speaking ladder. Of bags of money, I think the early yeah. ladder match is literally like, it wasn't a belt hung. No, it was, it was like, a cash prize. It was usually a cash, yeah, it's like... It, it was like a... Or contract or something. It was like a big wily Coyote bag of money or yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. The most notable early one was, though, to give him credit, that most people know about is Bret Hart and Bad News Allen. Right. Bad News Brown in 1983. Bret Hart working his way up the ladder. He's got the money. He's got the money. And Bret Hart, some years later in the WWF, suggested the ladder match to Vince McMahon mm-hmm. as a possible thing for him and Shawn Michaels, because if you recall, they were feuding throughout 92. Yeah, and I think even before that, there was some kind of instance, maybe it wasn't a ladder match per se, but Bad News Brown was feuding with um, Macho Man Randy Savage and a ladder was used. Yes, it was an Anything Goes match, like a street fight, Yeah, but it was, there was, a, a ladder was implemented into the match, right. let's put so it that, that way. Maybe that's like the proto, <laughs> yeah. but then they said, so... We got this Coliseum shit coming up. Let's have Bret Hart fight Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. So in July 92, they do a demo for Vince, essentially. It didn't air on TV. Most people know it by now. It's available on the Smack 'em Whack 'em tape. A lot of things are available on the Smack 'em Whack 'em (laughs) tape, including Gorilla wearing a hat poorly. You never had. I know that Shawn Michaels had a ladder match, but you didn't. Yeah. Blatantly lying. 
Do you think that Shawn Michaels had had ladder matches before? I know uh, you didn't. Two years later, Brackett's all hissy because <laughs> Shawn Michaels now has a ladder match with Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Very influential in its own right. Right. And, and he's so like, this is the one that really kicked it off, right? I mean, right. this was like the, okay, now everyone was wowed by this right. ladder match, right? Because no one saw the Brett Shawn one, really, except on Coliseum. Right. So now you have this this Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder match, well regarded, and in my opinion, still holds up today. Yeah, and even for a while, I felt this ladder match concept, right? Maybe not initially, but kind of after the second one, that SummerSlam, but it seemed to be linked to WrestleMania for some reason, right? Did you, yeah, feel, did you feel that way? I, I don't kind know. Kind like of, that, not really. That, just that I meant that it, it, it's, it's so special. That it's so novel. Well, that's a thing. That it can only happen at pay-per-view right. at the very least. Right. And on the big stage, I mean, there weren't many throughout the 90s. There was the, the WrestleMania 10. There was the SummerSlam 95. I know that there were house show ladder matches. Michaels and Goldust had one in 96. Yeah. But really, you got to go all the way until 1998 for the next big pay-per-view one, which would be Triple H versus The Rock at SummerSlam. Oh, my goodness. I totally... That one, right. That one's always very forgettable, huh? It, like, honestly, yeah. yeah. Even though it ended a big feud. Right. Uh, and then the big, the next step in the influence towards the TLC was in October of '99 when there was something called the Terry Invitational <laughs> of Tournament. All things for this to start on the right? tit, the, the tit. <laughs> yes. yes, it started on the tit, folks, and uh, that wound up being the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian in a tag team ladder match. Right, so straight this, up ladder match. So this was um, notable for being the first tag team ladder match, right? Which would yeah work as far as into I remember. the TLC. Which, Correct. To me, this exploded the concept this all of a sudden it was like wait a second you can have more than two guys fight <laughs> right. each other with a ladder but what that opens up which makes it very interesting is now there's more than one ladder and then you're like oh then it, it kind of it, it explodes from there right, right. And like what else can we put right. in, in the table or the ladder match right so the next link in the chain here as we get closer to tlc is that the royal rumble 2000 the hardy boys took on the dudley boys in a tag team tables match right okay then at wrestlemania 2000 edge and christian the hardys and the dudleys competed in a tag team ladder match right but that's all it was it wasn't it wasn't a tlc we still haven't put it all together right right and i want to say there was some weird chairs thing match that like happened on raw or some shit like you know what i mean like where that 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 got integrated in well around the spring and summer of 2000 edge and christian started a proclaiming themselves the master of the chair. The concerto. <laughs> the concerto and all yeah. that, right? So this all culminates in the first ever TLC, which I was amped for, SummerSlam 2000. Edge and Christian, a hot tag team, seriously. Yeah. The Dudley's a hot tag team. Right. And the Hardy's a hot tag team. In a tables, which is the Dudley's specialty. Right. Ladders, which was the Hardy's specialty. Right. And chairs match, which was Edge and Christian. Self-proclaimed specialty. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> right. Because well, they, they turned were always heel. like shoehorned shoe <laughs> yeah. into it. But yeah. And man, was this a great match. And I do believe it still holds up today. It made all of those guys in the WWF, especially the, the younger two teams. Right. The Dudley's really half made already. Well, these six young studs put their careers on the line for everybody watching around the world here tonight. Now, the first one was very, very good. But um, Excellent. I feel like it still it wasn't at WrestleMania. You know, sometimes people don't get all the pay-per-views, right? I right. mean, it was at SummerSlam. People knew about it, and there was there was a buzz, right? There was this TLC match. Right. It was really, really good. And did you catch that? Because, right. you know, it's like 2000, so it's like... Not everyone's ordering every pay-per-view like they used to, right? right? So, over the months, I feel like it was kind of like, 
revered, right? Like there, there was this really good match at SummerSlam. You're going to have to get that uh, tape. Yeah, like tape. check that fucking match out because it, it's really good. And crazy it's unique, spots and crazy bumps. spots. It's unique and yep. stuff like that, right? So they kind of let this sizzle. I think the feud it sort of continues in like yeah, little not really. bursts. Like yeah, I. But I mean, the tag team division also wasn't like extremely large, so it's no. kind of like you have three of the teams in there, so they're right. eventually going to run into each other again, right? And they did in two thousand one. It was like you know what? Let's just do this again. Yeah, but this time this TLC two, I guess yeah, you call TLC it two. TLC two WrestleMania seventeen, right? The best WrestleMania. This is just in the mix now with a bunch of other great matches, first of all. Right. But second of all, now it's like everyone knows the expectations. They know like what a TLC is, blah, blah, blah. And these guys were like, we're going to fucking like perfect this shit. Right. And this is the TLC match that everyone remembers. I think so. I think the, the both are very well regarded. This one obviously had the benefit of being at WrestleMania 17. I don't know which one I like better, but I do know that this was probably the more widely seen one, right. obviously, this because one, of the pay-per-view if, it's on. If you're think, trying to grab a visual, you don't want to open up WF Network right now, <laughs> but like, if you're trying to get a visual, the most notable spot in it and there's a lot of spots. Yeah, there are. But the most notable one is Edge doing the spear from like the super tall fucking ladder, right. which I think the super tall one wasn't even in any of the previous ones. I think the first TLC it was. Maybe? Yeah, okay, it was. yeah. But anyway, there's a super tall ladder. Yep. First of all, Jeff Hardy's hanging from the fucking like thing the that's belt holding holder. The, which that had I don't remember that happening. I don't either. Maybe, I think like, that was yeah. new. That's nice, but you're wrong. Jeff Hardy's like dangling from the top and Edge is on an extremely tall ladder and he spears him off this thing. And this fall at the time because they hadn't never done anything like this. Right. This looked like he killed him. Yeah, like, this is I, insane. Like he, this looked like he absolutely possibly killed him. Yep. Oh my God! And then there's another spot in that match that, that, to me, this is the other one that resonated with people, as I believe it's like Matt and Bubba are on like two side-by-side super tall ladders, and then there's like a pile of tables, yep. and they like get knocked over by like yep. Devon and like somebody else, like they like lift edge, them. I think. Yeah. It's Edge. Yeah, and like they basically like knock them into this table, this like double stacked of like tables. four tables or yep. something. Now, this, the TLC match obviously has gone on to become, for better or for worse, a regular staple right. of WWE programming. It had a pay-per-view named after it. And Quinn, I want to ask you here, this is the influence part, what influence do you think now that we got to TLC, what do you think that's done for the business, for better or for worse? So, to me, it was, if stunt matches were not already part of the WF, this was like, they're going mainstream, right? Like, that there would be a lot a lot a lot of these in the coming years where it was like at least once a year you got to see like we have to do this and i think there was a point where they were doing it like too much like it was like more than once a year and some would argue that it's almost pointless to just name a pay-per-view around it right so actually i think that's the more perfected version where they decided look instead of like killing our talent by having multiple ladder matches and tlc or variants of tlc a year sure that they just said Let's just have one pay per view, so it's like the Royal Rumble, basically. It's like yeah. it's like it's a thing that we do once a year, like the Royal Rumble. Let me ask you this though, because obviously the the original ones, and there were some other good ones too after WrestleMania 17. I know that uh, 
Benoit. There was a couple of really good ones, but do you think that we're at a point now where how do you ever top any of this ever again? And don't they all just kind of run together? So, and it's like, yeah, yeah, the guy falls off the thing, and yeah, you do this, but I think the only other time that they were ever able to add anything of significance to this match type yeah. was the money in the bank. Okay, why is that? So the money in the bank, first of all, to me, the big difference was not only just the contract thing, right? But the fact that there's like eight people in it, it's like fucking Super Smash Brothers or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Do you like that? I kind of like the chaos of that. Like, okay. to me, that's like controlled chaos. It's like, it's all contained in one match. And there, there's a stipulation on the line that's actually like, from a storyline perspective, is kind of fucking cool. Right. It's like this contract that you can use cash throughout the whole year. It's a nice element, I guess. Yeah. Let me ask you, though. Do you notice a general homogenization of these matches lately? Yes. Where there's a lot of people just laying around waiting for the next spot. And you didn't so, seem yeah. to see that in the past with these older ones. Right. So the original ones, the guys involved with it, they were doing something new. Like, if it was planned, and I know a lot of it was, a lot of it was, like, there was also audibles called and things like that. You have and, to. And it was just a, it was just six guys, you know, Devon, Bubba, Matt, Jeff, Edge, and Christian, yep. who had a passion. They wanted to do something with this. They wanted to really stand out and Kinda really like give it their all. Kind of like how the Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat sure. wanted, the, wanted this Intercontinental title match to set the gold standard for, right. like, singles matches Brett, or whatever. Brett Nolan wanted to blow the roof off of MSG right. at WrestleMania so 10. So they just made everything happen and you know, I'm sure things happened in all of those early TLC matches that they didn't, the timing was off or they didn't expect and they right. kind of just went with it. In these current ones, a lot of it, and I think it's it's partially due to the fact is that over the years people did get hurt well, in the yeah. TLC. It's a risky the, match. Right, that the company said you know, we can't, for your own health, just let you go do whatever the fuck you want out there. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So it got very heavily scripted. And like you said, it results in a lot of laying around because yeah. everyone. And I, I don't think this is a bad thing from a, um, a safety perspective. I do think it's the right thing to do as far as like if everyone's got to hold in place and do so that nobody dies, <laughs> then so be it. But, well, yes, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I agree but from, with like, that. An entertainment perspective, yeah. it, it takes away from it. See, that's my problem here. Call me a purist, call me a traditionalist, but I don't like the idea of like, well, we named the pay per view after it, so we have to do it. But we know it's a dangerous match type, so we're going to make it very tame. Why do it then? Like, honestly, at this point, is yeah. it really pulling eyes onto the product? Is it really a draw? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I haven't enjoyed one of these matches in a long ass time because they're very similar, all of them now. <laughs> I think. To me, a lot of it is not not enjoying it. I do think, to their credit, I do think they do a good job. It's one of those situations where you're like, oh, another Money in the Bank yeah, or TLC though, match. That's but, my problem with but, it. But, but, but uh, the big but here yes, is but. that I always feel that when I do watch them, I am, like, actually entertained. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't say I'm not. Like, it's still a spectacle, regardless of, like... In, in that sense, yes, it, I agree with you. It's one of those going in, you're like, oh, yeah, this. And then when you watch it, you're like, oh, shit, that guy, like, fucking almost right. killed himself. No, like, I understand. You know I, mean? like, I don't know, though. It might be quite a while before uh, these matches really blow someone away. Again, I think it's you know? waiting for another innovation on it. I think the problem is, is that they figured out the rules of it. It's not as new as it used to be. Well, like, yeah, the luster's worn off long ago. Right. And I think, actually, I think it's funny that because it kind of morphed more more into the Money in the Bank, it's funny that there's two pay-per-views and one's Money in the Bank, one's TLC. Yeah. 
And then that led to other things with spinning off pieces of well, it the stairs match. Yeah, we'd be remiss shit. if we didn't mention the stairs match in what, 2014 or yeah, so? I can't remember. I believe also that pay-per-view just had a chairs match it because did. fucking why not? It had a tables match, it had a ladder match, it had a chairs match and a stairs yeah. match. My favorite part about the stairs match is that they actually canonized like, <laughs> what the, the WF stairs weigh. That was amazing, like, actually. The, the fact that you can like definitively say they weigh like 800 pounds whatever altogether was, or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it, that, is, that is kind of awesome to me. That's like on the level of like modern day stupid story stuff like the time like the League of World Gentlemen the or League whatever. Nations, yeah. yeah, when they had like the globe and all that shit. Oh, like God. to me, it's like that's the goofy shit that I always like the nowadays goofy shit that right. I get a kick out of. But like... <laughs> no, I mean, there was, there was some charm to that. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, I'm going to say that I actually personally, I wish they would have stopped doing them so frequently. Honestly, like I, I don't loved think it, it needs to be yearly anymore. I think it needs to yeah. be every couple of WrestleManias and only WrestleMania. Well, I think like, it should yeah. just yeah, and it should there should be a purpose to it, not just for the hell of it. Exactly, I hate that, and I hate to sound grumpy and old, but like I really don't like the fact and, that they yeah. just do it to do it. And honestly, if you were going to, um, if you were going to do it yearly, you would think some thought would be go go into organically from like three months before right. not one month before yeah. of getting to that that place building to that point right and just kind of like being like well it just happens that like right. these guys have to settle it in a tlc match in december when right. the D- tlc pay-per-view is worst coming pay-per-view up. month in the world by yeah. the way december it's I, a horrible I, month for you a know pay-per-view. what i can't it honestly sucks. i don't begrudge them for saying you know what? Fuck it. Like everyone <laughs> likes the TLC match. Let's just do it in December I because guess. what the fuck else are we going to do in December? Like, I guess. seriously. No, no, no. Like, I understand. Yeah. I just don't like how commonplace it's become. It used to be special, and now I can't tell you the last five from yeah. the last pay per views. You know. So that's my thoughts on it. You got anything else here, Quinn? That's it. But I do think that um this match did have a strong influence on the industry today. I, I think, think it did for better or for worse. For yeah. better or for worse. And I do think it had some good influences because it did also in a weird way, like we said with the safety aspect, it actually contributed to them learning limits as far as how far you could take these extreme match types because it's one of the more notable I call it extreme match type. What I mean by that is that ECW style right. match types. Falling off of things. In a mainstream setting. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so folks, let us know your thoughts on the TLC match. Do you like its influence on the business? Do you dislike its influence on the business? You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com or join the group. But Quim, when we come back, it is a new season, which means it is new Royal Rankings. We have brand new list of names here as we are going to royally rank the best and worst managers in wrestling of all time. It is the Royal Rankings, and that is coming up right after this. Say you have a, you know, you have to get up on the wall, high ceiling, vault right. ceiling. Hey, listen, just walk right up. And I tell you, it's very safe, it's durable, and Girl, it's lightweight. you scaring me. Oh, really? <laughs> See, now it's locked in place, okay? So really, you say, Oh, God, Harold, are you okay? Actually, I didn't have it locked. Here's a game about climbing up and sliding down. It's called Shoots and Ladders. You can land on something good, like rescuing a kitten in a tree. Ah, you're going up, up, up the ladder. Or land on break the cookie jar. First one to climb to 100 wins. 
Shoots and Ladders really has its ups and downs, but mostly it's lots of fun. Shoots and Ladders is a Milton Bradley game. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. Who cares? Hey! And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here. It's episode number 161 here on January the 20th, 2020, as we kick off a new season. How you doing over there, Michael? Ah, I'm good. Uh, yeah? That was that was a fun talk there. It was a fun talk, wasn't it? Yeah. And if, folks, if you want more fun talking with OVP, you can go to our Patreon. We do have one. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And the reason we do this is we know that we have people that like our show. And if they want to support us and get more OVP content, we give back to you in three very easy, painless tiers. Going, the, the, the most painless. There's no pain. There's no pain. <laughs> no. Uh, Isaac Yankum approved. <laughs> so what you do is if you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast, we've got a $2 tier a $3 tier, and a $5 tier. That's all there is to it. Uh, now, on the $2 tier, you actually can get to see every single Monday the weekly raw video, the making of every single OVP show, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, you, you can see, see the shirts, the mistakes, yes. everything. Right? Everything uh, behind the scenes, before the show, in the breaks, after the show, all that stuff. But not only that, it also unlocks a back archive of over 30 OVP commentaries where it's Quinn and I talking about a specific match from the WWE Network. Yep, as well as the Rushmore Death Valley extras. There's about twelve of those. Yep, those are fun. Those are yep. we did the doinks. We did wrestling misters. All yeah, sorts of weird ones. There's all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and that's just for just being on the introductory tier. Yeah, the the uh, the economy tier, if you will, the, the two dollar tier. tier. Believe it or not, gets you the most stuff. It does actually. Tier. It does in yeah. terms of gross content. You yeah. get the most on the two dollar tier. But if you want to up that to three dollars, you get everything we mentioned plus. Every other Friday, Quinn and I release 1983 live video review, which is also available in audio form if you like that. And basically, we did all of 82 already, and we're releasing the 1982s every other Friday for free on our YouTube page. Yeah, those are a a little bit behind. Well, they're almost a year behind. A year behind. There's a lot you can already check. I believe there's 22 if you want to kind of follow along, and then once you get past that... You can catch up on the Patreon. Right, yeah. And that's just $3. We're going through every single episode of WWF Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and And we main show. Yeah, the main show. Right now we are in March of 1983 so we're still well pre-Hulkamania but we're getting there. Things are little by little starting to get more modern. Yeah, incrementally um, <laughs> yeah. big things are actually happening, yep. believe it or not. I mean, there was a big uh, title match last week on the show. There was a big title match on the last one, yes, a tag title match, so check that out. That is on the $3 tier. And then if you just want to max it out, if you have the cake to spare, you can do $5 a month. That's going to get you everything we've talked about, plus Every single month, Quinn and I are going pay-per-view by pay-per-view, and we're talking extensive two-and-a-half, three-hour reviews here. Yeah. We are up to the Royal Rumble 1989, which is out right now, very fitting for January. Yeah, it's it's definitely the January pay-per-view. Yep. But uh, So next month will be WrestleMania 5, and these are, like I said, these are full-length, extensive OVP podcasts where we go through the pay-per-views in order, going all the way back to WrestleMania 1. You can check that out on the $5 tier. Again, that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's if you want to donate, if you want to support the show. If you don't or if you can't, we understand. We're thankful that you're just listening to us here. Now, Michael. Yes. This is very important now because Mm -hmm. it's Royal Rankings time. A new Royal Ranking. A new Royal Ranking. So I guess I should explain what that is if we have any first timers here. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Before the season starts, over on our Facebook group, we ask you, the fans, to vote your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. 
Last season, obviously, it was uh, entrance music. That was that was a really fun one to do. That was a good time. This season, it's very serious and very intense. This is managers in the wrestling. Most serious people <laughs> in wrestling, right? Yeah, the most <laughs> serious. Uh, now, I want to thank our technical coordinator Joe Merkel for collecting all of the submissions and putting the list together yeah, this time to be around. Honest, seriously, great job! Thank and, you, Joe. And I hear some kind of episode guide is coming as well. Yeah, he's going to be working on that as well. Which. Thank you very just, much, Joe Merkel. I just found out about that yesterday. Yep. I was just reading through Twitter threads. Yep. I didn't even know he was up to that. Things are happening. Wheels yeah. are in motion. So basically what we do is we pull out two names every week and we alternate. So this episode is the best, which is the Royal Rankings. Next week will be the first episode of The Flush, which is the worst. And then week by week, we go through these and we rank them until at the end of the season, you will have the definitive scientific OVP certified organic non-GMO ranked and ready to go. Best and worst managers of all time. That's exactly what it is. That's what it is. So I guess now, without any further ado, why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. I'm just about the happiest man in the world. Hey, I can resort to showing my body. I got a 32-inch waist. I'll tell you the biggest surprise, your employment. The dream that he, too, was going to someday be a champion. You sorry excuse for a human. You sorry excuse for a man. You can have Sinatra, Tom Jones. You can have anybody you want. The Misfits, I don't care. Oh, baby, I love you. Yes, I the Royal Rankings of Managers week one here, I, Michael. I love that you uh, fit in the baby, baby, baby there at the end. <laughs> I gotta have that yeah. in there. Again, thank you, Joe Merkel, for compiling all this for us. And folks, if you've never heard of Royal Rankings before, strap on your seatbelts here because it's gonna get a little dicey. It's gonna get a little hot and heavy here. Controversial, maybe? Controversial, perhaps, <laughs> as we rank the best managers of all time in wrestling. Michael, before we pull our first number, Managers are somewhat of a lost art, but they were such an integral part to the wrestling that we know and love from the 80s and 90s, don't you think? Yeah, it's actually very weird to me that, you know, nowadays, maybe there's like one or, or two <laughs> yeah, at yeah, most right. at the same time. There's like almost none left. And yeah. It used to just be like... Almost oh, everyone had one. Well, at least if you were a heel, you yeah. did. Like, there was a point where every single... Like, especially on those 82, 83s that oh, we're gosh. watching, like, literally, if you're a heel, you have to have a manager. Right. Like, there's no, like, option. And the main game, obviously, of the manager was to draw heat for his wrestler, to get people to want to see that wrestler get his ass kicked if it was a heel, to get more eyes on the product, to hype things up, to get people excited for a match, to interfere sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's going to probably be part of the criteria here is how to assume the manager things that you expect. How effective were these managers at doing what a manager is there to do? Now, whether or not you think number one is a foregone conclusion or not, maybe you do, maybe you don't, the ride is going to be part of the fun here as to how we get to the final Most definitely. So why don't we now draw out, without any further ado, the time for talking is through. Time for turkey? Time for turkey. Time for turkey. Early this year. Early turkey. (laughs) Not even close to November. Let's all find out who drew number one. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, huh? Wow, Paul Heyman. He made it. Well, 
Um, he sure is a really <laughs> he, good booker. I don't, <laughs> a manager. He's a good um, manager, don't yeah, you think? I, think a, I mean, a lot of people like him. Um, I think he's good. You know, the thing about him is, is that he's another, like, Bobby-like. In what regard? That he's kind of this loud mouth, yeah. um, maybe a little too big for his britches kind of well, character. He's getting bigger and bigger I, as time goes on, Michael. Besides the fatness. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, like, as far as, like, what he can handle it's kind of he's got this personality of i'm in over my head right you know it kind of how bobby always was yeah i mean paul Heyman's been managing forever in addition to also being the owner of ecw for a long time and a and booker, booker yeah a very good uh color commentator as well right he's exactly. a very talented guy in wrestling he's a very talented guy and you know what i think is the funniest part yeah and this is not like a slight against him sure of all the things that he does, I personally feel that his weakest is being a manager, and that's not like an insult to his managing. Sure, but sure. That's just to show you how, to his how other talented talents. he actually is. Well, I mean, a very creative guy, very driven, right? Was, right, yeah. As evidence with ECW, and a damn good announcer in both WCW and WWE. Right, Excellent exactly, announcer. Exactly. But as a manager, too, I mean, he got started in the mid-80s, 87, actually down in Continental yes, Wrestling another Alliance. another Continental alumni there. Yep, as Paul E. Dangerously, which was a takeoff of the Michael Keaton movie yeah. Johnny Dangerously, which is not a blockbuster by any means. Such a timely reference <laughs> yeah. to have for your entire career, even like yeah. today. Gentlemen, I am warning you. Humongous is now going straight to the top, and anybody who gets in our way is going straight down. The spoiled rich guy type of gimmick with the cell phone when no one had cell so phones. The cell phone thing was a big notable thing. I think that's like a, a visual a lot of people remembered about him, right? The hat, Absolutely. the hat, hat suit. Like baseball <laughs> yeah. cap yep. and suit and a cell phone. That's latter day with the hat, that, that yeah. funny fucking hat that he used to have. But yeah, uh, he was a good manager though because he was a great talker, and that's right. one of the key components to being a good manager. Is can you talk? Can you get people fired up? Are you witty? Are you charismatic? And there was a believability aspect that this guy maybe actually is some kind of sports person. You Agent. know, yeah, he's, <laughs> like you know, Scott kind Boris. of like Jerry Maguire or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just mean like it was before that movie, but still, obviously, like, you know. What I mean that the, the cell phone in hand, like he's sure. making deals. He's making deals constantly. Maybe yeah. on the phone with a stockbroker. We don't know. We don't know quite Maybe what he's a new up to. Acquisition, correct? You know. And uh, he moved to the NWA slash WCW in around '88, and kind of moved his way up to becoming the main manager as time went on. He had managed guys like the uh, the Samoan SWAT team, which is the Head Shrinkers, yeah. before they were called that. He managed. Uh, you might have heard of this guy, Mean Mark Callis. Yeah, you know the Taker, the Undertaker, the Underwear Taker. Yep. There's not a man on the face of God's green that's gonna pull me mark off of you uh but mainly his biggest thing that he did in ec or in wcw excuse me when he was the top manager right was the dangerous alliance quinn yeah so the dangerous alliance it was a group of how do i put it it was like like an elite squad of right like it's an updated horseman yes that that's what the the, the aim for it was yeah. right and like even down to like the um the laundry blaze was supposed to be like the baby doll like <laughs> yeah, i'm not right. even kidding you know, it's like, real. You know what i mean medusa they had rick uh, rude rick rude steve and, austin and he even had iron anderson had, had iron anderson for a bit like, larry. As, as like legacy horseman yep uh larry new world odor yeah, Zabisco. New World Odor. In Bruno's that. Yard. He's kind of like the Ole Anderson of the group. <laughs> the shitty one that no yeah. one cares about. But the point is, is that Paul Heyman put this group together. It was called Dangerous Alliance because he's Paulie Dangerously. Yeah, I get it. And they were kind of like the main force fighting the baby faces, the likes of Sting yep. and Barry Windham. Yeah, and guys those, like that. Yeah. Luger, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Luger was still face. And they were kind of like this 
I don't know, this glob of heels that were all aligned. And I, I want to say like the biggest, it kind of all came to a head in the uh, war, war games, games where mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, I always love this, that him and Medusa <laughs> are on the outside with like a map yes. of the cage like <laughs> right. during the match and they have like a point like, yeah it's amazing and he also being Paul Heyman and being that Bobby like character that you said got into a feud of all people with Missy Hyatt right you know of all yeah. people to feud with well, of course he also, he also which was even funnier he got in a feud with, with Medusa, Medusa to the point where she like chased him out of the arena yep. and the funniest part is he just looked like such a wimp <laughs> because she was like in a gown and yep. she like chased him away to the yeah. point where he like ran into the crowd. Right. Like but the great thing about him and in WCW was he was the driving force behind all this. He was right. the nucleus of yeah. this dangerous alliance, yeah. right? And he drew the heat and he was so hateable. Right. Like great at what he did, right? right. We, we like him, but he's so kind of this, hateable. He's kind of this mix of like he's a schmuck. <laughs> he's he's kind of got the greatness to me of Bobby the Brain Kingdom, but he's like diluted with like the kind of corniness of Cornette in like the like in WF like you know know what I mean like he's got that like weird combination I'd also give him the sniveling runtness a bit of a Jimmy Hart right a little bit of that weaselly not to use Bobby's term but a little bit of that like runty aspect to him he'll he'll run away he'll run away as evidenced by that Medusa yeah he can't back up shit and he knows it he's just a loud talker Uh, so then from there he goes to ECW and he really didn't own ECW immediately right he was actually just he replaced um Eddie Gilbert as the Booker in September of 93. He was simply the Booker. I mean, he made the decisions. He just yeah. wasn't like... He didn't own he it. Didn't, Todd owned it. Todd owned it until yeah. 97. Yeah. But he also came in not only as the Booker, he revamped his uh, Paul E. Dangerously persona and used that in ECW just as a straight-up manager. Now, I want to say this about the early Paul Heyman in ECW. Um, definitely a harder edge, um, not as goof anymore. Right, like, no, seri- more serious. More serious. Greasier um, hair. We didn't give you what you paid to see. The public enemy getting their asses kicked. This Saturday night, four on three. Sabu, Taz, and 911 against the public enemy, the shooter Dean Malenko, and Chris B. So he initially just brings in Sabu. That was like, yes. as a manager, he came in and he's like, I got this guy, yep. uh, Sabu. Yep. And, he he also had and, nine- he, and he's like chained to the thing and everything. Chained to the gurney, yeah, usually, yeah. right? And he ha- and Sabu was like, how do I put this? Maybe analogous to like early '80s Jimmy Snuka in terms of phenomenon. He was booked as absolutely frightening. Yeah, like it, like holy homicidal, shit. suicidal, he's got that whole thing. Scars on his body, and he's jumping off things that normal people like. If, <laughs> if somebody did that in real life without like wrestling involved, they probably would die. Right? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. He's doing things like that. So, and it was just not seen before. It wasn't like later on where like people jump through tables and shit all, all the, the time. time. Like, people were like. The, if you ever watched the first match that Sabu had in ECW against Taz, like, right. just on regular ECW, yep. like he just explodes out of the box and people are like thrown off. Yeah, like they're, they're just like, holy shit. Like right. he just like jumps into the crowd like immediately. And he didn't talk. So Paul right. Heyman was there to explain who right, this guy yeah. was, to build this guy up. as The reason we think that he's crazy and the reason we know all these things is because Paul Heyman was selling us on that. And Paul Heyman, I believe. Um, jumped in a commentary it, like in one of his early matches and explained this stuff to us absolutely right? like, they, they, like who the hell where did this guy come right. from what like, is this guy yeah and he also had his own personal bodyguard with him at all times Nine nine one one. don't forget right. which added so kinda, to the heat to me it added to the ambiance of like Sabu and his handlers right like kind of like how Kamala 
at two handlers because <laughs> yeah, these are Kamala, but i'm saying like kamala was like oh look he's so out of control that they need like two guys to right. like take care of him andre the giant had two handlers also timmy white and arnold scoland <laughs> hey i don't i'm gonna beat them up he also managed taz quinn a little right. bit the tasmaniac so once sabu and taz became aligned 94 Heyman 95 also was essential like in essence, was the Tasmaniacs yeah, not, before he went away. Not obviously. like UFC-style Taz, like yeah. the earlier Taz. Yeah, when Sabu and Taz became a tag team. Yep. And actually, there was even a brief time, believe it or not, where there was an alliance between Heyman and the public enemy because he employed their help for some shit in yes. the hood. I, it's like it's real. Thing. No, it's real. Like he had them like go in and like, some, yeah, I forget which people it was, but he was like, oh, you guys are also from the hood, so can you go beat up this guy in their apartment? I'm not kidding. It's real. It was like, it was like Heyman like sick, like in the in the projects or something. It's good. And, but then they turned on him and like, but that was like a brief alliance yep. where Heyman was sort of managing them too. Yep. And then he also managed briefly Jimmy Snuka in Snuka's ECW run and Eddie Gilbert himself. But then he kind of just started to focus on running the company. He bought it from Gordon. He was the booker the whole time anyway. I forget what ECW event it is, but they just kind of like take the kid gloves off and they're just like, yeah, he's booking it. Yeah. Like they, they, it's just said like Heyman comes in the ring like with the headset, like yep. he's actually running the fucking place in the background. And then he's no longer Paulie Dangerously anymore. He's Paul Heyman even, from that yeah, point I believe forward. he even says in the yeah. interview where he kind of exposes it in ring. He's like, right. my name's Paul Heyman. I yeah. run this company. Basically. Right. <laughs> Which he did. Yeah. And then when ECW goes under uh, in 2001, he shows up on Raw first as just a commentator. But sooner than later, he gets injected into the, uh, unfortunately, the invasion angle with Stephanie McMahon and ECW. That all he kinda, sucked. He kind of just manages ECW. Yeah. Like, it's not even, like, one person. Right, like, right. It's just, like, the glob that is the ECW owned by Stephanie McMahon. Right. It's so dumb. But then in 2002, his most enduring charge that he still has to this day yeah, makes this, his debut. To me, this is always, it was always incredible, like, the loyalty. Like, that, yep. like, he never, ever left this guy. It's almost as close to me as, like, how Bobby always loved Rick Rude like right. way too much. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that, of course, would be Brock Lesnar, who debuted in 2002. And to this day, when they roll, when Heyman just rolls out all around, yeah. he's there with Brock Lesnar. I mean, they're buddies for sweaty life. sweaty and yeah. crisco and all that. But I kind of dig, though, that as they both get older, they both are side by side. Isn't that kind of like, I? there's something it's to sweet. admire about it's it, cute, right? It's like, right? as Heyman grows old and, and Brock, wider, and if Brock, you know, kind of gets less intimidating because right. he's getting older, and it's like, they'll they'll be together in the rocking chair next to each other. <laughs> like, and it's a damn good thing they put him with Lesnar, because Lesnar, comedic as he is when he actually tries to say things, he's not a good talker. No. He can be a blood and vomit. I'm going to leave him in a pile of blood and urine and vomit. That's my favorite yeah. promo that he's ever done, by the way. But Heyman was his advocate, right? And yeah. Heyman was there from day one to really put over, like, look, this is a guy unlike anyone you've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. He's huge, but he can wrestle. He'll kick your he ass. Do a fucking, like, backflip right. off the top rope. Right. Fucking shooting star press. Yeah. He doesn't care. You're dead. Yeah. F you, basically. Yeah. Literally. You know, F5, whatever you want to call it. Now, in the midst of all this, the, these are the last charges I can think of for Brock, or um, for Paul Heyman. Yeah. Um, was definitely CM Punk was a notable one a as the WF champion. A biggie right yeah. there. I mean, again, that was Punk. Heyman going to going to the world title for the with somebody else for once. Right. You know, now Punk can talk, but it just lended a whole new element to the whole thing to have Heyman there with him for well, that because, year year well, and a half. What was so great about it was is that there was an actual history 
between how Paul Heyman um, kind of he personally got CM Punk into WWE, yeah, in the ECW, in ECW, no less. He was the, legitimately the, an advocate for him, legitimately an advocate, and they worked that into the story. And then once CM Punk kind of became more defiant, like post pipe bomb, yep, he's like, oh, by the way, fuck you all. I'm a Paul <laughs> Heyman guy. Yep. You guys tried to throw him out of the company, and they kind of use that, yep. like you know what I mean. Of now, course. So now he's my manager, and he's the manager of the world champion, and that like, was nicely done. I thought, yeah. Having and, CM Punk. And it even went as far as they broke up and then member of CM Punk beat the shit out of him on the top uh-huh. of a steel cage. Yep. <laughs> that I was pretty that. funny. I like, remember yeah. that. And he also unfortunately managed Curtis Axel briefly. Nobody cared. And Cesaro. And like the, the, for a day. For a day yeah. <laughs> when Cesaro's like, I am a Paul Heyman guy. And, and then that was five it. minutes later they realized like, you know, Paul Heyman doesn't really work here every day. <laughs> like, and they were like, oh. And then they just like forgot about yeah. it. <laughs> now, uh, that's Paul Heyman the manager. Before we get to the next one here. Good manager, though. Overall, as we've talked good about manager. it, good manager deserves to be, I think, in this discussion. I think what happens, though, is I think his other accolades make his managing seem less right, uh, less in the forefront. And we'll have to see how the, how he stacks up to some of the others here that right. made the list. So I think if we're done talking about Paul E. here, we can find out who drew number two. You go with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's all find out, folks, who drew number two. you've ever wanted because all of your dreams will cease to exist sensational sherry quinn i'm so happy with this one i love the sensational sherry oh my god glad to see her getting her due so underrated and i'm glad that she was voted into the rankings absolutely she's great oh man i love her i'm gonna stay straight up best female manager ever without even having to think about it. without even yeah absolutely you know know what i mean like that that is just uh, a given right there it's absolutely a given and she didn't just really start managing in wwf she actually did manage in the awa she managed buddy rose and doug summers in 86 and 87 right with the the flimsy contracts (laughs) like in in aw (laughs) remember her in the like not makeup in like the awa dvd just like sitting on a couch explaining (laughs) how awa sucked basically yeah. yeah she managed them somewhat notably in their feud with the uh, rocker the midnight rockers as yeah. it was but she was also obviously a manager f- or a wrestler first right so she was a wrestler on and off in wwf even in the early 80s yeah, uh, we've we've seen her in as action. a ballet yeah we've in, seen her in a, a in lot some of some kind of capacity in wf even in like 82 yep she's been there when she came into the wwf full-time that was in 1987 and she defeated the fabulous mula the uh eternal incumbent of the women's title but this was her final incumbency yes like, finally finally sherry put her out of her misery right and basically qu- sherry quickly turned heel she was kind of right. just nondescript at first and she became the sensational sherry the ladies champion had a hard feud with rock and robin now lost this, the title if to you her go listen to the rumble 89 review we we, <laughs> we talk about how her early prototype whatever she was supposed to be was like kind of like Alexis from Dynasty. From, from like Dynasty. Like yeah. this jerk. But yeah. she thinks she's, she thinks that she is like the best hot shit. The basically, best clothes, right? yep. the best looks, therefore, the best, therefore <laughs> the best, this, the best that like, no, even the heels on her side suck. Like yep. she just hates everyone. Yep. Like, <laughs> she just thinks she's better than everybody. And they kind of retooled her character shortly after she began managing Randy Savage. So, so this to me, is absolute brilliance how this is all done, right? right? The Macho Man, after having the doe-eyed, innocent Miss Elizabeth, damsel in distress, damsel often. in distress. Oh, Randy! Yep. Ha- um, R- Savage accuses her of like you know caring about Hulk Hogan too, right? Correct. So what does he do? 
he finds an absolutely evil, aggressive, um, like kind of like a, just a totally mean look. Yeah. Right. But more, most importantly, an absolutely obsessed with him and him only. Right. Person. Yes. Like Miss Elizabeth, I have something to say to you. I am more woman than you have ever dreamed of being. And it's the sensational Sherry. She thinks that he is the best thing to ever fucking happen. Yep. Like, and she will say it on anything she is. Yep. She manages one person and one person only, <laughs> yep. and it's only the Macho Man. It's it it perfectly encapsulates like what the Macho Man personally needs out of a manager. Right. He has no priorities but himself. And that is so true, Quinn. For yeah. two years. Yeah. From April of eighty nine until March of nineteen ninety one. Right. Sherry was by Savage's side for every single encounter that he had, every feud that he had. And even when she wasn't, she was bragging how good the Macho Man Correct. was, like on Spotlight with Ian Mooney and shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Well, let's see what the Macho King thinks about it when he hears everything that you just said. Let's, let's not get, let's not get crazy here, uh, I'm going to get crazy. We'll let the Macho King see what he thinks. What? She would cut promos alongside with him, because Savage could talk, obviously. Right. But she was so integral, I feel, to his 89 to 91 run becoming the macho king and then she was the macho queen and she was the queen and that awesome mixed tag they have which right. i don't think it's enough love it's so good there's even weird nuance to it like that um he would push sherry around in the promos and she would love it Never! you're gonna be mine i'm gonna be on you like black on attitude shut up yeah, because like, she's like sadistic. She might be a witch. We're not sure. <laughs> where am I? Yeah. And all that climbing. Like, there, the there, there was like this weird like in between where she was like first she was just like this girl that was really creepily obsessed with yes, Randy Savage. That was the early. Then she was a witch, and then Briefly. she was a queen, and then she became a queen. Right yep, until the end. Right. She tried to negotiate a title match for Savage with the Warrior yep. at Rumble 91. She also um, had beef with Miss Elizabeth. We can't forget that yeah. because that plays into all they this. They feuded on and off. Anytime Liz would pop up in 89, 90, yeah. you know, they would, they would always have a feud. There's a bunch of weird like, brother love incidents. <laughs> He's where always since, instigating yeah, shit. Where Sensational Sherry is yelling at Miss Elizabeth or Sweet Sapphire or something. <laughs> yep, like, the Sapphire yeah. feud was great yeah. too. And finally... She's like, fuck you, Randy. You lost your career. Now I have I have nothing to do. She turns right. on him at WrestleMania 7, right. as we all in, know. In one of the more... So this is the, the... What I love about this is the continuity, right? Right. Is that you have to remember all the way back, even to that Robin Robin shit. Who? Robin Robin. Sensational Sherry, she's a heel. She's yes. clearly pretending to be obsessed with Randy Savage because she knows that's what he wants. She wants to serve her own interests, though. Right. And the minute that he doesn't have a career... <laughs> She says, fuck this guy. Literally kicks him to the curb. The shit out of him. And then her old rival, Miss Elizabeth, comes out of the crowd and beats her up and throws her out of the ring. Just wonderfully done. This is, this to me, is the best part about all of this, right? Literally, like three or so matches later, Ted DiBiase, who's having his problems with Virgil, because, and he's lost his manager, right? Or or bodyguard or whatever. His guy. All of a sudden, in the middle of this Virgil match, Sensational Sherry appears in completely different attire and, like, just beats the crap out of fucking Roddy Piper and Virgil, (laughs) like, and, like, helps DiBiase. And now they're aligned. And this is another aspect of Sherry that I like. She completely changes her look. Yep. Like, to have this, like, Ted DiBiase outfit on. Yeah. 
like and like she's got a completely different style of of character and she now. tones down and she's more like well i'm with him now so i'm gonna be more like him yeah and then there's even subtle instances where dbs has a match or two with db uh with uh macho man yeah and like then like wait a sec what and then like <laughs> Yep, she went with DiBiase, a high-profile run for him. That was the last real singles run that he had before teaming yeah, with IRS. Mainly feuding with Virgil. Virgil and Piper. Yeah. And they, they headlined um, MSG, didn't they? Yeah. Or Piper and DiBiase. Yeah, a lot of times. Um, <laughs> the only thing I didn't like about this is, like, Piper is, like, always, like, stripping her or yeah, something. Yeah, like, I know. He's always jerky towards her. He's aggravating in 91, there's also, By the way, there is a weird, subtle feud between Piper and Sherry throughout this whole run. Throughout, also, like, 89. Yeah. Even, like, in the earlier days. Yeah. He never liked her. And then she falls in love, Quinn. Yeah, so this is interesting. So, Sensational Sherry, who's always been in her own interest, right? And this is what I love about this transition, is that she goes on the Undertaker funeral parlor thing, right, with Paul Paul Bear and everything. Oh, and yes! And she asks DBS for permission <laughs> yes! to leave. And, and you're like, what? And she's like, I fell in love with the most beautiful man, and you'll find out next week who he is, right? And of course, Quinn. It's Shawn Michaels. It's Shawn Michaels. The yeah. recently heel turned Shawn right. Michaels. Janetti yes. The boy on toy. Tried to the escape through the window. Yeah. yeah, the sexy boy. I found the man of my dreams, Paul Bearer. They have a great pairing because now she starts dressing totally differently again. Now she's like 90s, like Madonna. Kind of. Like, not the eighties Madonna, no, but Ma- that like that post Vogue like yeah, erotica version. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, a, yeah, that's good. You know what I mean? Yep. Like she's like this like weird sextress. I, I don't know what to call her. Call her literally anything but that. But now she's infatuated with Shawn Michaels, right. and it's it's legitimate. So now she's doing the same stuff with Savage that she used to do with Shawn, but now it's not a. I'm in it for my own interests. She loves of. us, man. Yeah, she's obsessed, right? And Gorilla would always say, "This is the feeling mutual, right?" Because right. Sean would always give be, a shit about it her. It would always be implanted in there. But then there was some kind of weird. After all that, is the feeling mutual stuff, right? She has this weird, like, infatuation with Rick Martell, briefly, which maybe is her brother, but I'm not. It's tr- not, they're I'm, not I'm, related. I'm, I'm kidding. But, Stop it. But the point is, is they have this thing at SummerSlam where yeah. Sherry's like, they can't punch each other in the face. Yeah, and then therefore, she, therefore, <laughs> right. And my favorite part about all of this is that it blows up in her face at the end of the match yep. when they dump the water on her. Yep. And both, Rick Martell's like, should I do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it blows up in her face, and then she ends up just back with Shawn Michaels again. Yep, until she gets whacked with a mirror, and yep. then when she comes back, and she needs to change her nylons at the Royal Rumble. Yes, it's like, <laughs> and Lord Alfred won't leave her alone. Can I stay for that? Yeah, this consistent. <laughs> yeah, dirty old man and yeah. all that. He'd been chasing her for years. Yeah, like, he, he wasn't her. just at Rumble no, 93. No, he like, absolutely yeah. loved her. I have to change my nylons. Get out. Oh, can I stay for that? Get out. Oh, right You're right. a dirty old man. Uh, and then she kind of is a face, and she feuds with Luna. And this was not good. She fizzles out. She yeah. be- she basically becomes a wrestler again and feuds with Luna. Not very good. But she shows up, Quinn, in ECW as the manager of one franchise, Shane Douglas. Who's like the top shit in ECW. So Sensational Sherry, this is another uh, thing I want to note about her. is She never had guys that were low on the totem pole. Like never. the lowest at this point, maybe Shawn Michaels, because he was like newer. 
Yeah, but even he was the... Uh, no, he won the IC after. Okay. Yeah. After she was like, gone. So yeah, maybe Sean. Because DiBiase is already an established like, yep. upper... And Savage yeah. was a former world champion. Right, exactly. Yeah, so Shane Douglas is the top guy of ECW, the heel world champion. So this feeds right into Sherry only hangs out with the best. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Instant credibility for both people being associated with each other. Right. Honestly. And a good little run there. It was brief, but it was good. And then she shows up in the summer of 94. So this is interesting. In so, WCW. So this is how she comes in. So she comes in sort of as a face. Oh, yeah. And she's like, who am I going to manage, right? And she's she, all happy. She says, it's the Sting. I'm yeah. going to be with the Sting. sting. Yeah. Bret Hart. Be with the Sting, right? You know, I, had a good, I could have had a good match with the Sting. So she, she comes out. And notably, I always used to notice this. The Sherry reuses a lot of the same outfits yes she does and at the clash of the champions she uses some dress that she used at some other thing I know what you but mean. she has the sting makeup instead with it uh-huh. and anyway she ends up turning on him and uh, the reason i bring this dress up is because she hilariously does like a fucking splash in the gown yep. off the top rope yep. and, and to help rick flair yep and she becomes rick flair's manager now and this to me was a sensuous gr- sherry great freaking fit another top guy too yeah like rick flair rick flair makes so much sense with sensational absolutely Sherry. like somebody just as crazy with him but also beautiful like a beautiful woman so you can go with the rick flair only hangs out with beautiful women yep. kind of thing can adapt to his character and, yeah. and all that and it was and i brief. can't emphasize enough about how they're both fucking nuts oh like, they're crazy yeah like so it's like a great match and she hates hulk hogan like eternally she and always hates him <laughs> and yeah. he's feuding with hogan right not yet queen not yet playing against so that makes sense they have the halloween havoc uh, cage match i think hogan rips her clothes off because that's what they always did to sherry and then after rick flair's like three match series with hogan i think that's when she veers off right she veers off she emerges as harlem heat's manager in 1995 i always thought this was so interesting because so this right this was sherry and i think this was even noted in wcw this was her she's like i'm gonna make these guys like yeah. it was even noted as part of the the lining up. She's like, I see these guys are going to be the best tag team, right? And Harlem Heat was kind of like earlier in their run. earlier, yeah. And yeah. She had a lot of credibility at that point. She joins them, and Harlem I, Heat goes straight to the top. They, they sister all this, Sherry, yes, yeah, sister, <laughs> which was so funny. I know that, that to me, that's always Sherry was really good at adapting to whoever. She got the flame dress, <laughs> yeah, like, to match like, their attire. Yeah, like it was just very like just a great combination. Yeah. Now they won like a million tag team titles with Sherry, right? Yeah, and she's went out for a long time she's with him until like 96 yeah literally so the way it ends though <laughs> and this is kind of the end of sherry basically is she falls in love with colonel parker <laughs> now this Stupid. to me is one of the funniest fucking like oddball pairings ever right, right so this causes some weird alignment where somehow like harlem he has to like begrudgingly be friends with bunkhouse buck and dirty Dick slater <laughs> and like and colonel and Parker, Carl, and they hate him right but and they have to deal with they him they have to deal because they're like racist Sherry, old white guy you're our sister Sherry. <laughs> right. like we can't like ba- we, ha- we have to like back you up right like, and harlem he's always half tweener anyway by this point like right. they're almost bordering on face so always this leads to a wedding yeah. Where like basically it's amazing. So first of all, what I love about this wedding, right, yep. is it's it's at Clash of the Champions, right? And Sherry is like she's so excited, right? She's like genuinely like she seems so happy, right? Right. And Colonel Parker comes up to Gene in the middle of the wedding and is like, "Hey, Gene, do you have like five bucks?" And you're like, <laughs> "Oh no, what happened?" And they remember they're at Caesar's Palace yep. or whatever. Yep, yep. 
Colonel Parker lost all his money at the casino. Yep. And now they're like having the wedding in like a parking lot. And like, but I remember like Bunkhouse Buck, Dirty Dick Slater, and Harlem Heat are like goofily teaming up <laughs> to like try to make the wedding okay. It's good. Like, and like it all is like a big disaster. Right. And, but anyway, it, it, to me, this is like, this kind of led to the end of Sherry. That's the end of the line for Essentially, her. there's a match that truly ends it where like, Basically, her loyalties are tested, and she fucks over Harlem Heat. Yeah. They lose the tag titles because of her, and they're like, "Sherry, we're sorry." They don't beat her up or anything. They just kind of like, "We gotta, we gotta move on." Right, <laughs> and that and that just ends. Yep. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one other little managing ditty that she occasionally did in '87 and '88, and that would be as Peggy Sue for the Honky Tonk Man. Yes, totally different character. Not not acknowledged. It's, it's not the sensational. It's character. not Sherry Martell. In no. fact, I don't even think um, it is. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> and she played this whole, you know, this Peggy Sue thing, which has has always graded me is that that's a Buddy Holly song, not an Elvis <laughs> song, but nevertheless, I just she, like that Peggy Sue's trapped in the fifties. Like yeah. you're like, I guess she just this is what she is. This is <laughs> what she is with the poodle skirt and yeah, all that, you the, know, and the, the blonde hair, the blonde wig, and just doing the sock hop dance and all Endlessly, that. Yeah, and like, just sock hopping outside the yep, ring and playing it totally straight. Yeah, with Jimmy Hart. Who's playing it totally straight? The pearls and especially yeah, the pearls and especially that whole saga at WrestleMania four with the haircut with yeah. Jimmy and everyone's all upset the about water. it. Don't ever let him see you like that, Jimmy. I look like Little Lulu. Yeah. Uh, so that's Sherry Martell. What a fun personality yeah. she is to watch. Seriously. What a great manager. Quinn, I think it's I think it's ranking time. Okay. All right. Now there's so obviously no always, one on the board. Always the, the this is like the easiest rank usually We're just pitting them against each people. other. Um, now Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman, right? Now, I like Paul Heyman a lot. Like I said, I will be honest with you. I think his managing is weaker than his the rest of his stuff. But when it comes to him as a manager against Sherry Martell, we have to consider now. I mean, to me, this is like a no contest. You're, you're leaning already towards Sherry. It has to be, right? I mean, Well, let's talk it out a little. So let's, okay. As far as the people that they managed. Yeah. They, have a, um, they both have a good roster. They have Quinn. a good roster. But I would say Sensational Sherry, other than Harlem Heat, and this is like, they're not even really minor. Like, the, that's like the lowest. Everyone had titles or at, or at some point in their careers had belts. I mean, I want to count the Million Dollar Man because he's a Million Dollar Champion. So, I mean, like... Okay, well, let's do let's play a little exercise where we take the manager away from the wrestler. Without Paul Heyman, is Brock Lesnar still as effective? Either then yes. or now. You think so? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, he- I don't know. To me, Brock Lesnar was going to succeed whether he had a manager or not. Oh, I don't know, Quinn. He, I think Paul he, Heyman added so much to him. He did. He added a lot of personality, but the sheer force of Brock Lesnar, he was going to be the champion no matter who the hell. If they stuck Michael Hayes with him, he's going to be the champion. Didn't fuck him. And that's as long my as he's point. not wearing those pants that he yeah, wore with my parties. point is, is that Brock Lesnar, it, to me, I always call him like the entity of WF, right? He's not. He, he's like a storm. Like, it's just, it's going to... Like kind of how Andre the Giant was, right? Oh. It's just like it's like you don't need a manager really, but it adds a lot of personality when Andre had a manager. You know, do you think to me, it's like an exclamation point? Even Brock Brock's Lesnar. first two years, though, you don't think he needed Heyman there. The way the force at which they had him demolish people, I mean, he 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 could have never talk once. He could have been like Goldberg. He did you know? demolish The Rock, yeah, Hogan, yeah, all sorts of people. Okay. Exactly. Like take Sherry away from Randy Savage, eighty nine and ninety one. So this is where I think this gets very interesting is because I think Sherry helped maintain Savage on a at, high level, on a high level, whereas he would have been like how DiBiase was, where yeah. he was like a top mid Carter yeah. after after having the title, which Sherry 
it was interesting. It was there was an added appeal of like, man, when's Miss Elizabeth going to come and like just beat this lady up? Right, like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of heat. Yeah, there was a ton of heat, and the interviews were peppered a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They were they were way more intense. They were nutty with Sherry yelling and Nuts. screaming as the macho man is saying oh, better than the best oh yeah cream of the crop just nuts ah, like in the background you are macho man right. you are macho man you like, are macho man yeah. and all that yeah there's nobody better than the macho king when you talk about the best you're talking about the macho king better that's, than the best that's what i said tell them better than the now, I think you could take her away from DiBiase in 91, and he's fine no matter what, truthfully. True. The, the, the feud with Virgil was hot. Yeah. Jeff. However, to me, at WrestleMania 7, it added a lot to kind of a... It wasn't it was a, a great full, time to do it. To me, it wasn't a fully developed feud until Sherry got involved. Right. Because now DiBiase also had somebody that could do his bidding, because yeah. Virgil kind of had Piper to help right. him out. So <laughs> now you have Sherry, who's just a complete asshole, who's willing to like get involved all the time. I agree. To, to kind of counteract Piper. I think Sherry tremendously helped Sean's early heel run and helped him establish his character. Oh, yeah. I mean, tremendously. Sean, as much as I love Sean, he needed it. He did need it because yeah. he didn't stand out yet. He yeah. needed something to distinguish him and really give him heat and give him something unique. And it, they did it the opposite way, which I thought was so impressive to Sherry as a performer, where you think Sherry would be the driving force, but it's actually Sean. Yeah. And it's Sherry that's being pushed back. That this guy is such a. He's such a fucking asshole. Yeah. Like, and like, he's so, but that kind of makes him seem right. bigger than he is, right? right. It's yep. just like, what a fucker. Like, you know, like, that yeah. he, like he's gonna, he's the one that's gonna tell Sherry what to do, Absolutely. which was so different. Was from, different. Yeah. From, from her being the driving force with Paul Heyman, does CM Punk, does he need CM, him in 2012 and 13? Another exclamation point. But not, like, not another, exactly necessity. CM Punk post pipe pump? Yeah, no. I, I like, agree. Yeah. Okay. Dangerous Alliance was what it was. It didn't exactly break new ground or anything, but it was really entertaining. Okay, so we've done that. They're both very good talkers. They're both, yeah, they both. Heyman's Heyman's the better talker. Let's be real. Yes, I mean, therefore, he he is definitely the better talker. (laughs) But Sherry is like, this is what I always found so fascinating about Sherry is that she didn't need to talk. She was just so like. Look at her, like, like her makeup, the the outfits, the yelling, the screaming, the 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 waving her hands like she has magic all the right. time. Like the I, I don't know, like there's something that she could like will herself to be better than she actually was. Okay, like, you know what I mean? Like she she was such a force. Well said. Yeah, both excellent at drawing heat. Yeah, I like Sherry being involved in matches physically and and ringside managing. I like her better I, than Heyman. I love that. Sherry was so willing to get physically involved to the point where she would she'd be like, "Yeah, punch me." Yeah, you know what I mean. I'll take the bumps. And on top of it, I almost felt because she because she was a woman and she kind of had something to prove that she was more physically involved than most male managers. Definitely more physically involved than Heyman would generally be in a match. Sure, and then a lot of them been slick yeah. often or Fuji, especially. I mean, there's matches that I can remember with Sherry where I said I can I never remember a manager doing this much in a minute. Like, she would just, like, every five seconds we're talking, yeah. it's, it's, like, getting excessive. She like was it, uh, ominous, you know, yeah. at, at but she'd get time. on the apron constantly. Yeah. Like, you know? And she put her all into every match, and I think Heyman did, too. Yeah, I think we're, we're just at the point here where if you want to put Sherry above Heyman, I can do it on yeah. the grounds that as good as Heyman is as a talker, and he really, truly is. One hundred percent of his career wasn't devoted to managing. No, no, no. And yeah. Sherry also 
And yes, I know Heyman still managed Brock Lesnar to this day, but this isn't a numbers game. It's mm-hmm. not about length yeah. or duration. Although I do like that Heyman's still with him. Right. You know, honestly. I agree. Uh, I think Sherry had a certain spark, a certain something that there's there's been no one like her. And, and Heyman's I, very good. I don't think there's been a manager, male or female, like the sensational That's Sherry. That's what I mean. Ever. And like, I, ever. I, she is so unique. Yeah, I think so, Quinn. I think that she might get overlooked a little bit and always has, but if you really look at what she did, she's yeah. incredible. Yeah. She's sensational. She did a lot with what she was given. She owned, Honestly, yeah. She owned that Macho right. Man character, and that launched her. Like that, that Macho Queen, whatever she was. She like, could have half-assed that. Yeah. She could have, right? right. I'm not saying she should have. She's with she the Macho have. Man. She didn't have to do much at all. Right. Like... She could have just pulled like a slick 1991 where you do nothing. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Or like a Mr. Fuji 1993. She could have ex- mailed it in and just been Miss Elizabeth too. Right, right. Like, you know what I mean? But she put her heart and soul, you can see it, into being with Sean, into being with DiBiase, into being with Savage, into being with Flair, into being with Harlem Heat, right. Shane Douglas. Anybody she was associated with, she she reinvented her look, even her character, not just look. Right, like, right. You know what I mean? Her she whole persona. Di- yeah, she would act differently. Now that's to take nothing away from Paul Heyman. Right. Who was an excellent manager. And Paul Heyman was always Paul Heyman. He was always Paul Heyman, Sensational Sherry was, um, she was, you know, how she, he acted different when she was hanging out with the boy toy. She acted like a queen when she was hanging out with the macho man. Yeah. She acted like this weird French maid, whatever the fuck she was, (laughs) like with with DiBiase. With DiBiase, sorry, yes. And look, I love a good Paul Heyman coronary yelling promo as much as anybody. Yeah. But there's just something different about Sherry, and I think she should have the number one spot to kick it off here. What do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely. Number right. one. Let's for, do for it. For right now, yeah. Sensational <laughs> Sherry is the best manager to ever live or whatever. You know what? I'm happy to hear that here. And folks, obviously, you can let us know your picks. Let us know your rankings. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Join the Facebook group or shoot us an email. But right now, congratulations are in order yes. to number one, the greatest manager of all time, Sherry Martell. And at number two, Paul Heyman. Next week, obviously, the the worst, the first of the worst we'll be doing. And then the following week, two more go on the rankings list. But folks, when we come back, you know, it's the new year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to wind down <laughs> 1994 WWF. This, that, like, you know, last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> and get ready for a new year ahead. We've got WWF Mania with a special twist. And that is coming up right after this. After the yellow and the red and Brutus the Barber Beefcake go down to Zeus and the Macho Man, yeah, they say that Miss Elizabeth may or may not be at ringside. If I had my rathers, if I had my rathers, I'd rather her be there. And Sensational Sherry, if she is there, and after we destroy them, and after they feel the heat, what are you going to do to Miss Elizabeth? Tell me, yeah! I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna stomp you onto the floor. Then I'm gonna pick you up and then I'm gonna put you into the cold and I'm gonna gonna stir it ever so slowly. And I'm gonna melt you down so there's nothing left. And as the bubbles rise from the cauldron of madness, tiny particles of you will just evaporate. 
wrestling fans, it's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN, hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Mike Crockett, Brian Malonis, and Brian Fury. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing, greetings from Allentown and Booking the Territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode number 161 there, Michael. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 161 years. It's amazing, right? And uh, yeah, it is amazing. Thank you guys so much for being with us here. We have a review for you. We're reviewing something. We are. We still do that. Don't you worry. Always. Today, Quinn, this is a very special episode because we are reviewing WWF Mania from New Year's Eve 1994 now. Very exciting time for the Mania family. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, what was WWF Mania, you ask? Well, in January of 1993, almost two years ago now at this point, Todd Pettengill debuted in the WWF. Unfortunately. (laughs) They had taken him from a rather popular, for some reason, radio show on 95.5 PLJ with Scott Shannon starting in 91. For reasons I can't understand, it was popular. It was on until 2014 with the two of them until Shannon left. (laughs) My back! I don't know what to tell you. They're going to have to turn to the chiropractor. Great, I wasted my best line on you. That's incredible, by the way. It's on so long. Just on an aside, it's amazing that that show continued while this shit was going on with Todd and WF. And look, whatever you think of Petty Poop here, I, I give him a lot of credit because he was very passionate and always into what he was doing. Yeah, it was like the Dick Clark of radio. <laughs> like, you know, he was doing his was. fingers and everything. He was. And he honestly, he gave it his all, it looked like, in the WWF. He wasn't the best thing ever. He wasn't a good color guy, so they didn't have him do it after 94, really. He was good at, to be fair to him, he was good at relating uh, with children, kind of. He like, was. You know, like, he, he's kind of one of those, like, children's programming kind of people. He was, and he was, he was a young guy, he was 27, I think, when they hired him, and he was very good at uh, pay-per-view hype. Yeah. He was great hype guy, because this is a guy that's used to doing live radio for several hours a day, so he's great in a live setting, and he narrated some excellent video packages for pay-per-views yeah. in the 90s. He also tends to have a cross between early Nickelodeon and <laughs> yeah. Wayne's World humor. <laughs> like, yeah, you, kind of. I don't know how else to describe it, but he, like, he had that sense of humor. But he was always anywhere from like 3 to 17 years behind in his references. Well, yeah, but it was like, that's like to me what that early 90s humor was about with yeah. referencing things from like the 60s like, yeah. when they grew up. Taxi. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like that. Everything that's hot in the world of wrestling will be covered on this show every Saturday morning at 10. What else are you going to watch? Reruns of Taxi? Okay, look. Hey, Alex. I'm watching WWF. Anyway, WWF Mania, which debuted January 9th, 93 on the USA Network. It was a morning show. It was 10 a.m. And it was basically a recap show where Todd would host it from one of the editing rooms in the studios in Stanford. 
1993, towards the end of the year, he was joined by Randy Savage as his co-host of this show. Weird. Yes. Why is Randy Savage a co-host? Because he let... just was. <sighs> so <laughs> They never let him wrestle. So throughout 1994, Savage was with him, and Mania would show highlights from WWF superstars and from Raw, and occasionally there would be a Mania-exclusive match, especially in the early days. Was there Mania-exclusives on this? I didn't even like think about that There was that one. one. Yeah, okay. we'll get to that. Now, by the end of 1994, Randy Savage left, as we know. He left in November of 94. In fact, he had freshly left by the he time we're reviewing this. So freshly gone, yeah. yeah. As Todd's Christmas present the week prior, he got a new co-host, and that new co-host was none other than your favorite of mine, <laughs> Stephanie Wyand. Stephanie Wyand. How do you even Categorize her? She's like one half, maybe like Blossom, cool, <laughs> hip girl. Maybe like right? six. Right. She's more like six from yeah. Blossom. And then they decide to like turn her into everybody's mom. Yeah. Like she's essentially was- a pantsuit wearing yeah. Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire hair style, yes. you know. I don't know what where the choice the decision came from to change her from a hip yeah, uh, fun wearing, suspender wearing spunky spunky right. you know, person to hi, I'm your mom. I'm a is, politician possibly. Um, can you can you let Tyler know that I have to bring him in the van? Back <laughs> yeah, up, like, right. You know, you know, like shows up at the school. And asks, right. You know. So she was there until the summer of 95, and she was with Todd on Mania, and she also did the live event news after Tamara Murphy stopped doing it. Yeah, to remember her. <laughs> yeah, remember Tamara Murphy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tamara Murphy. Otherwise known as Sonny, yeah, if you don't know Sonny. who we're talking about. And uh, so they're together on this, and this is the New Year's Eve of 94 episode. So let's get into this, folks. It's WWF Mania. December the 31st, 1994, and it is also, Quinn, the 1994 Slammy Awards. Yep, New Year's Eve on Mania. Todd is here to prepare us for one of the worst years <laughs> in WF history coming up. Yeah, we're in late 94, which is not the greatest period of time, folks, and we'll tell you why as we get into the show here. So we open with Todd and Stephanie Wyand narrating this goofy package about how they're going to reflect on 1994 by presenting the Magnificent Mania Milestone Awards, also known as as the Slammies. Today, we will proudly present the Magnificent Mania Milestone Awards. Otherwise known as the Slammies. The Slammies have been downgraded to Mania, is what you're telling me. (laughs) So So we haven't seen the Slammies since 87. Wow, it's been that long, huh? There haven't been any Slammies since then, and there were only two. There was 86 and 87. Mm -hmm. So now, all of a sudden, on Mania, we reignite the Slammies. (laughs) It's so exciting. So we see various clips of just hideous 1994 alleged action. It's all garbage. It's horrible. You know the the kind. This is the time period that led us to, like, that All-American that sucked, and, like, all, like, this is, like, one of the worst times where they're, like, it's almost like they're laying the groundwork for the shittiness that is 1995. Seriously, there's this tremendous fall off after SummerSlam 94 where it just goes down the shitter for a while. So now we get the standard Mania opening but without that stupid steam whistle thankfully at least. What a show. What a show. It's like the comic book whatever this is. (laughs) Yeah. So we're joined by Todd and Stephanie from the usual editing room or whatever. Now Todd looks like Roy Rogers if he went to the Gap. (laughs) Meanwhile Stephanie looks like a mom eating at Roy Rogers. Happy New Year everybody! Yes and thank you for joining us on the very last day of 1994 here on Mania. So anyway, Quinn, they wheel out this cart that has a black cover over it. Yeah, it's one of those shitty school TV roller things. Yes. You know, the one with the VCR, the three rows, yep. the whole nine yards. We're going to watch a movie today, kids. Squeaking down the hallway. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. One wheel's always all shitty. It's terrible. So they yank the cover off of this thing, folks, to reveal literally one Slammy trophy. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> clearly out of like the closet <laughs> where like Mooney and Alfred used to they <laughs> get the shit. What are we going to do today? You think it's the only one they could find? Yes. <laughs> it's probably one from the eight. No, it's not the 86 one. Because 87 probably, 87 right? One, yeah. <laughs> and there's also a fishbowl with some envelopes in it. Now, I may note that this is cool mom Stephanie Wine with the jeans. Right. Not the later soccer mom Stephanie Wine with the floppy dresses. Yeah, you know, know what you, I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. She's a little more spunky here, like we yeah, said, right? slightly more spunk and like she's on the transition with which we'll see later. Uh-huh. So she asked what the fuck the Slammies are. So Todd explains that a couple of years ago, they did the 39th annual Slammies, which he's not right about either of those numbers. It was seven years ago, and it was like the 37th. What exactly is a Slammy? Oh, a Slammy? Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? No. All right. Well, actually, a couple of years ago, they did the 39th annual Slammy here in the okay. World Wrestling Federation. So they basically make just a farce of this whole thing by admitting that they're the only people that even voted for all of this. Yeah, they're just schmoozing and like <laughs> flirting and making 90s jokes. Yeah, like, it stinks. Th- these jokes are bad. Yeah, so they just do this happy talk and then they get right to the award, just right to it, mm-hmm. for most intimidating. And the winner is The Undertaker. With like zero yeah. They're just like, it's Undertaker and here's a match with him. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, nothing, nothing, nothing like congratulations, Undertaker. <laughs> No, like, they don't play his music. They, he doesn't, like, come out to no, accept no. it. Like, no, we, nothing. We go right to The Undertaker. So we go to Stanley and Gorilla Monsoon for a mini exclusive here while the Purple Taker is making his way out. And we're in some aircraft hangar. We've got WF Christmas logo at the bottom. It's all bad. <laughs> and, like, seriously, what is this? Good Times video with these commentators? <laughs> like, like seriously, it's that it's that same, like, Gorilla and Sam Lane. It's like, oh, look, Pat Patterson's fat. Like, it's that, like I wouldn't even be surprised this all happened at the same time. It's like, not, but that's funny. Yeah. Not only intimidating, but uh, I would say downright scary. Hi, everybody. Welcome to WWF Mania. I'm Stan Lane along with Hall of Famer Gorilla Monsoon. Those two are a weird team because Stan Lane does the play-by-play and yeah, Gorilla just says weird shit. Because Gorilla's like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't care anymore! He's just making jokes. Like, he's like, look at this shit. Like, remember when this company was good? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's true. He calls uh, the Undertaker the unearthly one. Uh, <laughs> and then they have this weird exchange about Pamela Anderson and Gorilla's like, well, she's the host for the Royal Rumble, but she can be my host anytime. Just stop. <laughs> it's like, uncomfortable. Just, it's upsetting. I don't want to hear Gorilla talk <laughs> no. about such things. Well, she's our host for uh, the Royal Rumble, but she could be my host anytime. So now we get some nice shots of the low-hanging rafters in this joint. Joe, this arena is pure shit. The ceiling is, like, practically touching the ring. <laughs> it's so like, It's so, like, it's scary how, how low it it's is. It's ominous. And we do other things that are annoying with it later on. <laughs> they do. So we cut to the Undertaker's opponent, who was in the ring. Yes, folks, it's the Brooklyn Brawler. Is this about doink? <laughs> So Earl Hebner hands the large ass like SummerSlam flashlight yes, urn, the special like Ugh, edition. I urn. hate that urn. Well, don't worry, it's almost gone. Like, yes, remember? Yes, thankfully. Uh, he gives that to Paul Bearer before we randomly just throw back to Todd <laughs> and Stephanie. Ama- this is amazing because if I recall, when they throw back Gorilla, it's like, "Hey, what are they doing <laughs> there? Like, <laughs> what are go, they doing? Let's go see." <laughs> so apparently, they have some new awards that have just been delivered. So Stephanie's just rifling rifling through a bunch of envelopes. Yeah, and I'm like, "What? Because they're not even like it's not like it's like." Something's even happening. They're just doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Why did we cut to that? Yeah. Let's take you back right now. Let's take a look at what they're up to. Who cares? Back to the ring now. Yeah, they go back. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, look, we got this stuff. Okay, back to, <laughs> back to Gorilla and Stan. He's like, oh, we should keep an eye out for him. Like, you know, like Gorilla's like playing along with it. It's he is, weird. He is. We go back to the ring where Undertaker just kicks Brawler right in the face. And by the way, this is a Raw dark match, or maybe it aired on Raw, but they're redubbing the commentary. I don't know. <laughs> it's bad. 
Gorilla calls a brawler disgusting. Irish whip by the taker, duck underside, headlock by Lombardi, but Undertaker with a belly to back suit play to get out. Stanley and Gorilla now hype up the big IRS Undertaker match. Hot for the- match. Such a hot <laughs> fucking match. Everyone was looking forward to that. What a way to kick off the year at the Royal yeah. Rumble. Uh, we get old school now by the Undertaker back when it was more like middle school. Yeah, and I'm surprised he didn't hit his head on the ceiling, to be honest with <laughs> yeah, you. It's seriously. Like so low. So low. The hard camera angle is a little too high above the ring which for my also, taste. Which is also like compounding the ceiling yeah. shit. It just looks like shit, folks. Yeah. It looks like they're in a decline. Yeah. And you know what else is too high? Gorilla's voice. <laughs> you better bring a lot of druids with you to Florida. He continues to bitch about the brawler's attire for no real reason as brawler gets thrown <laughs> into the post. He's got nothing else to talk about. No, I know. And this arena or this venue or this watering hole, whatever it is, it's way too smoky from yeah. Pyro. You know, the, like the dust yeah. that like covers the screen <laughs> in 94 and 5. breathing room. Right. Right? So he's like, the dust can't get out or something. Open a window in this place. Yeah. Uh, Taker signals for the tombstone and he just calmly nails it. That gets <laughs> no the fanfare again. Nothing. Like with everything in this show. No fanfare for the awards. Ugh. No fanfare for Undertaker <laughs> winning. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, that was real profitable. It's such a waste of time. I know. And you know what? I've said this before, Quinn, I'm sure, but I think almost nothing about the Purple Taker era was good, except I like, can't think of any. Right? Maybe the Diesel feud and the Mankind stuff Nobody started during the that. Mask. <laughs> no, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying that's Ugh. the notable thing I can remember. It's terrible. Back to Todd and Stephanie now, who try to make the Undertaker IRS match important. They're like, oh, he's got druids. Watch out. Yeah, what is this? Like, nobody cares about that. No. Like, what, what are they talking about? No this one cared about shit. this match. Doesn't Gorilla yell? It's like, oh, he's going to have to bring those druids to Florida with him for the yeah. Royal Rumble. Yes. Like, what? Like, what? Why do they keep talking about that? Listen, as a nine-year-old fan that was into everything at the time when I was watching this, I did not care about this match. Seriously. So, and, and I didn't care about the druids either. In fact, here's a, here's a Quinn note. I remember there was like more than once that the druids would show up like going into like 98, 99, like that far, like from like, and I would always forget about the druids until they showed up. I'd never like in my brain, it would never stick that there was druids associated. I'm like, oh, that's weird. There's druids and it'd be like the 15th time I've seen them. (laughs) You're like, oh, weird druids. On the plus side, this is where I learned the term druid from. So there's that, you know, it's educational. Programming. Uh, Stephanie gets all upset about the whole award setup, this stupid rolly cart. So Todd asks Russ, the cameraman, if they can get something fancier. So they do. They wheel on a nice WWE of ring rope podium that looks like crap also. And then Todd does his fucking... I can't make I, I this up. Yeah, I couldn't even believe this either. He does the rad rad for like, yeah. the cool stone but surfer for, like, voice. no reason. Like He's like, this is cool, brother. Or, like, so, so cool. Yeah, I'm so dumb. It's just Ugh. Todd being Todd. He stinks at that. Hey, well, thank you for watching our show every week we appreciate it and stephanie doesn't even like acknowledge that voice either, she kind of no sells some yeah. of his stuff which yeah, is really funny true. uh we but get stephanie a- got her wish there's like a fancier table she's like this it isn't is. fancy enough i think <laughs> she did say that too. she did we get a promo now for the royal rumble featuring pamela anderson checking her answering machine so she's got messages from lex luger diesel sean michaels and i hate this as i've noted in the past because she like screwed over Sean. She like said she didn't even screw over just Sean. She screwed up whoever would be the eventual winner right. of the Rumble because she's just like, well, fuck this. I'm just going to be with the champion. Bullshit. It's such crap. If you agree <laughs> to something, you have to go through with it. That's right, Quinn. He, he fought from number one. That's it. In the shortest Rumble ever. Yeah. Still, he still won, Joe. <laughs> she's got a message from Jeff Jarrett. Ugh. Doink. King. King. Isn't she too old for him? Yeah, I, I still think. <laughs> what about the doink? <laughs> the like, doink. Uh, yeah, hey, Pebble Anderson, baby! Remember his, like, picture is on her table, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, very weird. Throw that out. Hey, Pebble, please say I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. You and I. So basically, the whole point is watch the Royal Rumble because the Baywatch girl is going to be there for an hour looking bored as hell. Order now! It all happened. <laughs> you know? 
Now we sadly throw to a Jeff Jarrett vignette where he wanders around Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Why is he even here? WrestleMania 9 was like two years ago. (laughs) I don't understand what this is. Why is he there? Yeah. This has nothing like the Rumble's going to be in Florida. So like, I don't get it. Like, what is this? (laughs) Caesar's Palace. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, ha ha. Like Like, way way too many. Like, it's crazy, right? Like, it's it's insufferable. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we go inside now where he's watching people play craps, which is a very appropriate adjective here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what he is. <laughs> and then he alleges that the big wigs here in Vegas, haha, are trying to get me to sing my song from Ain't I Great, haha. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, seri- like, what does this have to do with anything? Why is it so long, too? Yeah, and he's not even, like, doing this now. Like, isn't he feuding with Razor <laughs> yes! Ramones? Like, what, what is this? Why do we care? Is this just so, like, nobody really remembers who Jeff Jarrett is, so they just need to, like, kind of reintroduce him for Maybe. the 18th time? Yes. He references Jerry Seinfeld, Jane Leno, David Copperfield, and Julio Iglesias while saying haha again too many times. Yeah. And then we cut back to Stephanie actually mocking his laugh. Yeah, I was stunned that Stephanie was like calling it out. <laughs> Honestly, after this whole thing, I'm like impressed that Stephanie is like kind of like in the know. She's good. Because the old, the way that she's, she's always, good, folks. Yeah, the old way that I always saw her as the, you know, mom in the floppy dress version of yeah. her is she seemed to be kind of like out of the loop generally. But she and knows what she's talking about. Yeah, she's actually like okay. She she tried. Yeah, I, I I have a newfound respect here. I do too, actually. After watching this, and honestly, when Stephanie Wyan thinks you're lame, just retire. Yeah, seriously. When she's making fun of you, Todd and Steph now hype up the Razor Ramon Jarrett match for the Rumble, which personal note was very sad for me as a kid when Razor lost. I was so upset. I know when like, Razor Ramon lost. I was actually lost. more shocked. I was like, how really? could Razor Ramon lose to Jeff Jarrett? And actually, looking back, it's probably the reaction I would have had of like after Honky Tonk Man won the beat Ricky yeah, Steamboat. You know what I mean? That's kind it's, of what they were it's doing. It's that kind of thing going yeah, on here, right? This guy that like, but also not even, even though they are similar, but like. Lots of guitars. But it's just also a guy that's like, why does he even have a chance <laughs> against like this like main, mainline superstar? Right. Like it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Razor was like a top five, maybe top three guy. Yeah, exactly. Now Stephanie sings how she has a scoop, 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 scoopity scoop, while scoop yeah. intermittently flashes on the screen. Now, first of all, I have to say, this is hideous. <laughs> Second of all, it's clearly like the wild and crazy kids <laughs> font that like it's, it's supposed to make you think somebody wrote it on a telestrator, but it actually is a font font. Yes, it's like, real. It's, it's definitely the wild and crazy kids. <laughs> like they just ripped it right off because it was probably just the same piece of machinery same character generator yeah, probably exactly. <laughs> with a, wasn't that like a tandy wasn't that the original character generator was a tandy was it i don't know I, what, so. well, I don't know what they used in the 90s maybe it uh, upgraded a slightly bit since the 80s but Mem- still remember omar gooding yeah oh, and donnie jeffco yeah <laughs> and then there was jessica in the early days and they had a girl that replaced jessica. her and then there was yeah the blonde girl they kind of looked like um she kind of looked like what's the girl from uh step by step Stacy Keenan. Stacy Keenan. I remember Dana. She, yeah, the the she was like fake Dana. Dana Berger. Yeah. Uh, her scoop, by the way, Stephanie's is is that Double J is going to sing tonight on Raw. Who cares? <laughs> like what? Nobody cares. And he doesn't anyway. Doesn't even Todd like say something about how like you're not like that's not going to happen or yeah, something. Yeah, he's like no, he's not going to do that. Yeah. Because Todd's like he does his own song. He's like you've been fooled, 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 fooled instead of scoop. Yeah. Please stop. Is this over yet? <laughs> yeah. I just get them off my screen. Oh, it's time for another award here. It's the best entertainer. I was thinking it would actually be Jarrett. Right. It, it, like, why wouldn't it be? 
No, it's Oscar. Yeah, he still works here. <laughs> then, like, I didn't even know. I seriously, like, I thought he wasn't even in WF by '95. <laughs> they literally clipped. This is how much they care. They literally clipped like four seconds of him vaguely <laughs> rapping. It's like actually four seconds, and then they never mention it ever again. Good. It was like the courtesy award. They were like the filling time award. Yeah, we just gotta kill a minute. See, it says Oscar. Sorry, Double Oscar. J. Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Double J. Guess what? You don't win. S L A Double M Y. Let me do one here. Next award now is the worst idea of the year. I was thinking maybe this show itself, but yeah. no, it's actually this is funny. It's Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. So they're they're actually a little self aware here, Quinn, which is funny to me. Yeah, they actually like shit on it. Yeah, they're Todd's like, this, like, this sucks. Yeah, he's like, this is just dumb. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Like, they clearly just didn't. They they had no affection for Abe Knuckle. Maybe Vince even thought it was dumb, so he just kind of was like, you can make fun of it. You whatever. Can make fun of it, pal. I don't think Vince watched this. Honestly, <laughs> no. Time for our next award, Quinn. The sweatiest. Yes, it's actually IRS. Now, I thought this was amazing because it's like actually true. Yeah, he, if like, you watch it, he's sweaty all the time. <laughs> I thought this was like actually clever. I was like, nobody would. That's something like you and me would observe. Right, like, like fans maybe would observe. Not right? like t- Todd and Stephanie, like just on a throwaway like award thing <laughs> yeah. that they thought of in five seconds. That 300 people are watching. And like like you could tell all these awards were thought of. They Like it was literally Todd and Stephanie workshopping it with the props. I like, literally think, yeah. They, they gave them a list of like, these are the awards we're going to give. And then mm-hmm. they just pick them. They just do it. Yeah. Uh, we see a very appropriately sweaty clip of Irwin. Uh, our next award is Rat. Yeah, really, just, just, just rat. Just rat. It doesn't stand for anything. Nope. It's not best rat of the year. No, or, no, or ring rat, rat. Or splinter. Yeah. The winner is Owen Hart, of course. Man, that makes sense. It does. With the, with the events that have just occurred. Yeah, so they show back from the Survivor Series, Owen pleading with Stu and Helen to throw in a towel and stop the Brett Backlund match, because I guess even Owen thought it sucked and was yeah. too long. Then we get a hard cut to Owen taking on Buck Quartermain from some challenge taping. Yeah, they're fighting from like some movie theater or something. <laughs> I don't know what this place was. Sticky floor. Yeah. Still get Stan and Gorilla on commentary. Timmy White is going to be the referee here. By the way, it's weird that Stan and Gorilla are aware of the fake awards, I must yeah. say. This is really bizarre. Oh, he is the biggest rat, Stan. Yeah, like, Gorilla the whole time during this match is like, look at that rat! Like, <laughs> yeah, Todd was right! And they're like, yeah, and like, Stan's like, girl, I think, yeah. I think he, you're right, Gorilla. You're right, Gorilla. Yeah, I think they're redubbing commentary over stuff. Yeah, they're very clearly aware of the awards. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, if it wasn't obvious after they, like, threw back to them in the middle of a yeah, match, right. like... They're definitely, they're definitely dubbing new stuff here. Uh, anyway, we get a bunch of hammerlock reversals before Owen lands a hard elbow, a shoulder block, and a leapfrog by Quartermain. Nice arm drag into an arm bar by Quartermain. A whip off by Owen as Gorilla suggests uh, King Creep as a good nickname <laughs> for Owen. King Creep might have been a good title for me. We should call him King Creep. <laughs> it was just so random. That's better than the Rocket King that yeah. he called him sometimes. King Creep! <laughs> <laughs> Need of the lower quarter main by Owen here as we get a We Want Brett chant. Yeah, echoing through the Regal cinemas here. <laughs> Gorilla says that Owen has officially been thrown out of the Hart family, which... That's not even true, but... Which, good, though. I mean, yeah. I want to be in that family. Yeah, I know, seriously, that's like an award. Stretch <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, quarter main fights back, lands a nice dropkick here. Irish whip is reversed by Owen into his beautiful overhead belly-to-belly. I love how he pulls that off. Yeah, this to me is like the, what we were saying win. about Owen here. 
last yeah, two week, weeks ago. It's just like, do you ever see a bad match with Owen Hart? No, he's ever? just a crisp wrestler. Yeah, he's just yeah, good. Even this throwaway like shit in a movie theater match. Like <laughs> it's just like he doesn't care. Literally like, a popcorn good. match. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley now throws us to Bret Hart sitting in front of his fireplace. <laughs> in a jean of shirt, no less. the most Bret Hart at home promo yeah. ever. You know, you I'm know? at my house right now. You know, I just put new logs in the fireplace. Yeah, I think I can build a good fire. That's so ridiculous. I don't know about Jack London. Anyway, he's ready to fight Diesel at the Royal Rumble. He says he can't wait to reprove that he's the best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be. Owen, happy New Year, everybody, except Owen. Yeah, he's all have a shitty New Year, Owen. Like yeah. he's like really aggressive about yeah, it. It's like that snake, like. That he doesn't deserve, yeah, he doesn't deserve a good New Year. <laughs> Back to Todd and Stephanie. They discuss how Brett is pissed off at Owen because of Survivor Series and how he's going to kick his ass on the Holiday Wish Tour. And none of this even matters unless you're watching at like a local VA. <laughs> like seriously, like this yeah, is like the Holiday this Wish is, Tour. This is like the kind of places they were. Like What's I kid bad? you not, folks. Like probably like five to six months after this, I watched this company in a high school gym. In it's a real. high school gym. They were it, still doing that in 95. Yeah, That's how bad it got. Probably set 1,500 people. Max. Max. I'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Really. Seriously. Yep. So we get some they promos. no air condition. Oh. Yeah. And pe- they were wheeling people out due to the heat. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, that's really bad. I yeah. didn't know that. Damn. Uh, we get a promo for a bunch of house shows coming up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Dallas, Texas, New Haven, Connecticut, and Nassau. That's the Nassau Coliseum. Back to Todd <laughs> 70, where Todd sir spills a WWF New Generation water bottle all over the place. Uh, Todd, who earlier said that there have been Slammies before, now says this is the first annual Slammies. Joe, I was so confused by this. Like, there's like, clearly been other ones. I was like, wait, but wasn't the 37th? What What the fuck? I don't know. Yeah. That was a slip on his part. Yeah. But now it's time for another award, the greediest. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's we can never avoid this angle. <laughs> it's Tatanka for I selling mean, okay, out. Okay, so this is, I know you wanted to do late 94, and I had a feeling well, even I didn't going know. in, I was you, like, there's you know, no way we don't run into yo, Tatanka versus Lex Luger in some form or fashion. Let me, let me reiterate, I forgot to say this. This was not my pick. Richard Land was like, oh, mate, you should oh, do no. the 94 Slammies. Oh, okay, I thought this was you, because no, you, mean, you said, like, we're we, doing this. We acquiesced to it, yeah. but no, it wasn't my pick. Ah, this fucking feud. <laughs> Thanks, Richie. So they claim that Tatanka Tatanka's an asshole now because he has a suit. What a jerk. Oh, yeah, buying a suit. How shitty of him to decide to dress nicely. What an asshole. Yeah. Well, look at him. His new suit. Most spectacular match is our next award. And, hey, it's Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels ladder match. This is actually true. Yeah, like, I, I would give it. I mean, other than Brett versus Owen at WrestleMania 10, but that's all at the same pay-per-view. And yeah, I can, no, I can see you going either way with that. Right? As far as the term spectacular is concerned. Yeah, well, I just think that was best match. I think because Todd earlier had said there would be a best match award. Yeah, and then they just changed it. And this it. was the only one there was. So yeah. I'm assuming this is it. I think so. Now it's time for the best Coliseum video of 1994. And Wait, what? Oh, no, they had a bunch of them. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, bloopers, bleeps, and body slams at Hillbilly Gym. Yeah. You know, they had uh, WrestleFest 94. Well, I think Girl one of those would definitely be the winner, right? The- no, Quinn. What? It's Raw Video Secrets. Fuck no! Like, are they fucking serious? Isn't that like five minutes at the beginning of a Coliseum tape? It's like all shitty where Todd's like, hit left, left, right, B, and you'll do this crap with like fucking Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania the arcade game. Like, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, Todd's in front of a green screen. He's like, Y-A-B. Yeah. For Super Nintendo. You play True Lies. <laughs> like, True Lies, the video game. Watch those elbows. Anyway, we see a clip of Razor Ramon explaining shit while <laughs> Super Nintendo Razor pins Luger. Doesn't he like give the tape to Stephanie Todd or something. gives Stephanie yeah. a copy, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we now throw to a promo. He's tougher than Tyson. More menacing than Seagal. 
and faster than Van Damme. He's comma. I honestly like this gimmick. For real? Yeah. What, the Supreme Fighting Machine gimmick? Dude, I loved it. it. But he sucked at it. I know he did. He was was miscast. I love the gimmick on paper. Like, a lot. Like, I think it's so cool. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, he's like a real, like, fighting man. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, he's like... Not a street fighting man. Yeah, like, you know, like Jean-Claude Van Damme or something. I was like, I thought this was so cool. And it was just a shame that they used it on Papa Shango. Yeah, and it's not a disservice to, to him... Yeah. He was just the wrong guy for it. He had the wrong it. body type for it. He's too big. Like, honestly, like, this kind of, you would think a little more slim down, like, quicker, like a kickboxer type. Right. Yeah, I understand. He, and he was, like, kind of, he was a heavyweight. Like, it didn't, he was. it didn't make any sense. We cut back to Stephanie, who's just, like, beefy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Beefy. Time for the best tag team award. So Stephanie holds up the uh, the award and says that just, she's Vanna Wyand. Just stop. Like, <laughs> that was just lame. Then she calls Todd Pat, and he's yeah. like, don't don't call me Pat. What was that? Like, he know. had, he was like, it was, he like, he like shot back at her. He was like, do not call me Pat. He's bantering, though. Yeah, he's not serious. Very weird. Thanks, Pat. All That's right. good. We have the don't, don't, for- don't, don't call me Pat. Okay. The winner of the award is Shawn Michaels and Diesel, which is really stupid. Yeah, why not the Quebecers? Well, like, they're gone. They- yeah, I know. But they're I gone. Mean- it's supposed to be inclusive, the best it is. the whole year. You're right. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah, Sean and Diesel were only a tag team for like three months, really. But yeah, I think we find out exactly yeah. why they did that, and it's stupid. Yeah, because now it's time for the worst tag team award, which is also Sean and Diesel. <sighs> as we just recap, for no real reason, Sean and that series of super kicks to oh, Diesel. We gotta get ready for that WrestleMania match, I, I suppose. Guess so, huh? Yeah. Now we get our award for the mouthiest. Yes, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And the winner is Jerry Lawler. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's King. Yeah. Now, Todd and Stephanie both say Burger King really stupidly, like they're eight years old. Burger King! Burger King! King. We cut to Raw in the King's Court, where King is yelling at Diesel that Brett is going to kick his ass. He's like, and he's going to put you in that (laughs) sharpshooter! It's weird to hear King saying that. Uh, Diesel tells King to shut his mouth, takes his crown off of King's head, tosses him out of the ring... And Vince and Sean, by the way, are on commentary. Yeah, Sean, of course, because late 94, like, he's like on commentary like, every fucking week on every show. I'm going to tell you, Vin, man, I don't yeah. wrestle anymore. What was this stint? He wasn't even injured. He wasn't suspended. Nothing. They just were like, no, like, they're you're, just you're like doing commentary instead now. of Savage because he's gone. We don't want King to do it yet. So you're doing it. Yeah. That's like what it is. It's seriously. Like, he have more important. They're, they, they're only booking him for the main event of WrestleMania like, and to win the Rumble and all that. Yeah. But no, he does commentary for like three months on Raw. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Like, He's regular. Yeah, he's just normally the commentator. <laughs> so weird. Uh, Diesel puts the crown on himself as Vince does his fake laugh. I, as I want to like puke. I know, I hate This the... looks so stupid with his like, his hair is like puffing out of the like this fucking puff. crown. There's some puff. It looks stupid. Sean calls Diesel the cowardly lion and says he's going to send him back to Oz, which yeah, is a great I, reference. I, I, I noticed it. Yeah, the reference. Very WCW. subtle. Yep, very, very subtle Very subtle. That's something only Sean could get away with. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I don't even, did Vince even remember Oz? Uh, Vince probably had no clue what he was talking <laughs> Maybe about. Maybe not, like, right? Yeah. I'm going to send him back to Oz! Promotional consideration is paid for by Series 2 of Magic Works, as always. Yeah, of course. Like, everything 1994 that's <laughs> yep. on. WWF Raw, the video game. Yep, all Sinister, Raw is War. Raw is War. <laughs> that that's whole not thing. a show yet. But <laughs> I know. It's still called yeah. that. And the NFL Quarterback Club, which looks shitty. I rented this. Was it, was, it, it was like Dumpy Madden. Yeah, like, that's it was what I figure. Like, it was just another sports game on Super Nintendo. Yeah, there you go. Back to Todd and Stephanie again, where Todd is waving a giant diesel foam finger, fucking around with that. It's time for our most eccentric award. Todd thinks it's going to be Luna because she married a vampire. Wait, he actually does he say that. Yeah. Wait, Gangrel the, reference? Yeah, they actually acknowledged her, their wedding when it happened, and they showed like what? a picture on Mania once. Excuse me. Only on Mania, not on anything else. 
So Stephanie does this bizarre impression of Bob Backlund, which leads Todd to ask, like, what's wrong with you? She's, like, doing, like, the Backlund looking at her hands thing. She, like, anticipates the award and stuff. And the winner is Bob Backlund. So we throw it a break and we go back to more awards. It's time now for the smelliest. Now, Mm -hmm. it's a tie, okay? this was weird. It's Henry Godwin. Okay. And Duke Drozzi, which... This is captivating television. And hey, why not Bastion Booger, though? Like, to mm-hmm. me, he's like definitely Fair the point. most smelliest. That's a good point, actually. Uh, next, we have best movie. I don't know what this has to do with anything. Best movie is Princess Caribou, where <laughs> Todd just makes this incredulous side look, which I actually laughed at. He's just looking at the screen like, who is she? Princess Caribou. The movie? Princess Caribou. Who is she? <laughs> But it's a tie. It's Princess Caribou and Speed. This, sorry, I can't understand what's going on. There is, like, too much 90s Do you know what overload. Princess Caribou is? So, <laughs> I think it's, if I recall, Joe, it's a movie with, what's her name from Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Phoebe Cates? Phoebe Cates, where she, like, pretends, it's like a true story where somebody pretended to be a princess or something, or maybe I'm mistaking it with another thing. This I didn't even know this existed. It is real, but I just don't know the exact, I could be mixing it up with another movie. Alright, it's now time for our next award, which is most likely to see Jenny Craig, which is just, <sighs> just like, a come on. Joke. Yeah. And you know what? The winner is, it's Bastion Booger! Yeah, which I was surprised, because he should have definitely won the smelliest. He could have, like, <laughs> taken all these awards. I was surprised that he was referenced because he's been gone since the summer. Right, but you know what? It's not like he's gonna like piss anyone off. No, like, I know. It's not like there's some politics with Bastion <laughs> Booger. True. So we throw to a match from last Monday on Raw where Tatanka is in the ring and the British Bulldog makes his entrance. Vince McMahon says the Bulldog is celebrating Boxing Day. Horrible. And then he says the Rockets red glare during Bulldog's promo. Now, very ambitious of them to set off Pyro in this warehouse. <laughs> like, how? Why? And then they even, like, add fake sound effects. Like, yeah. it's all bad. It is all bad. And by the way, Quinn, in the Rocket Red Glare on the National Anthem, right? Yeah. Isn't that a reference to the Americans bombing the English troops? Right. Like, it's and not he's good English. for him. Like, yeah. It's not happy. It's not. It's just wrong. Like, they, they, they don't understand history. Anyway, I don't want to watch this match. Shawn Michaels is again on commentary. Because it's late 94, of course. Yep. Timmy White, again, the referee. Sean doesn't understand Boxing Day, but I don't think anyone does. You Brits out there, Canadians, what the hell is it? Is it something with shopping or But, something? like, why is there more gifts? You just had your gifts on Christmas. You're going to do it's it like again? one extra gift. All right, fine. I don't know. Wrist lock by the Bulldog. Tatanka in the ropes. Lock up. Hammer lock by Davey. Again, Tatanka bells to the ropes. Ted DiBiase lurks ringside here. Oddly, he has a tux on, which is very classy for him, like, during this period yeah, of time. This is, like, windbreaker crappy yeah. era. Oh, God, we're the leisure windbreaker. I hate it. I couldn't believe he had a tux on. Yeah, I no. was just like, this is crazy. Really crazy. Shawn Michaels says that lifting Tatanka is like lifting a wet safe. Why is he here? He's like a main eventer. Again, it's still on, This right? is like if Brock Lesnar did commentary for like an entire show oh, yeah. like right now. <laughs> weekly. Yeah, weekly. Arminger by Davey. Irish whoop off at Tatanka. Duck under and a shoulder block by the Bulldog. Off the ropes and a hip toss by Davey. Sean brings up how Barry Sanders looked lethargic last week against the Miami Why Dolphins. Why is he talking about this? Remember, they gotta be topical. Yeah. Uh, side hot look by Davey. Push off Duck under and Bulldog goes for the delayed vertical. Nicely done. Vince calls that an unbelievable maneuver, which is vintage McMahon here. Tatanka bails out. We cut to a commercial. We're back. Davey hits a crossbody for two. Tatanka kicks out with power and sends Davey outside. Back in and a chop by Tatanka, followed by a body slam. He heads all the way up top, but Davey with a fist to the gut and a snap suplé. Suplexa. Suplexa. Irish whip and a crappy clothesline by the Bulldog, and then another. But DiBiase pulls down the rope as Bulldog goes off the ropes, tumbles out of the ring. 
And I got to say, manager DiBiase actually did something. Yeah, this is very rare. He, What's like, going on with him? He never tucks doing things. That's like mailing it in. Remember yeah. we were talking earlier about Sherry could have mailed it in? Yeah, this is like actually, well, usually Ted DiBiase mails it in as a manager. He does. He doesn't here. Right. So anyway, now Lex Luger wanders out to check on the Bulldog and chase DiBiase away. And Vince is yelling as if this is the most intense thing going on in the Federation. Oh my God, Luger's out there. Well, like, I mean, no there one. isn't much going on <laughs> in the Federation. True. Someone has to take control and Lex Luger is doing it. Meanwhile, Tatanka tries a sneak attack, but Luger kicks his fucking ass as they head into the ring. Now Bam Bam runs out, so finally Timmy White's had enough after all this. Yeah, I can't believe before he didn't have <laughs> right. enough. Why did it take that long? All four men brawl before the heels bear. The crowd chants USA, so I guess they don't like Davey, because yeah, everyone really else is American. Great support here. <laughs> it's like the British Bulldog. Right. Everyone else in the match is American. Right. So they're chanting for Tatanka. He's yeah, a Native American, you know. He's even more American. He predates the USA. Yeah, it's uh, true. Anyway, the official decision was a double DQ if anyone cares. Back to Todd and Stephanie, who then throw to a promo from last Monday, where the pantsuit okay. version of Stephanie yeah. is interviewing Ted DiBiase outside the men's locker room. What's weird here is she has the more, like, momish hair. Yeah. But, like, not fun hair. You from know, the mania yeah, zone right right so like the mania thing had to be filmed before this raw right because there's no way so. that that haircut was readapted back into the fun hair like there's no way it went the I other way was, right? I, mania is i think live or done like close to live like it's current so maybe her hair's like pulled back so it I think looks that's longer. what it is yeah maybe they even gave her extensions so that she would look no! different oh she just has it up a little bit but anyway well, this women do things with their hair they it's do. possible our hair looks the same yeah like, since we started the show i know like that renee young gets extensions yes. every now and then she does i think she just recently did it again she got extensions against yep. uh anyway this whole interview is horrible like dibiase doesn't even know what to say like i've rarely seen yeah, him give a bad this? talk but yeah this is like He's like, ha, what? Uh, uh, I accept the match. It's like, horrible. He's, he's like, you want to challenge my corporation? You want to match with my guys? I, I can't believe. I. The question is, Ted, will you accept the offer? They want a match. You want a match? You got a match. You got a match. And Stephanie Wine knows what to say more than he <laughs> yeah, does. Like, She's, when Stephanie Wine is helping Ted DiBiase, you know you're in bizarre land. Why is land. Stephanie Wine like the MVP of this show? Because she's probably not as bad as people remember. Yeah, it's they, like kind of weird. You know what it probably is? One person like Meltzer or Scott Keith or somebody probably said that she was bad. And everyone's like, yeah, she was bad. So the most bad stuff I've seen even from Scott or Meltz was something like that she's just it was like not even mean. It was just like, oh, she just appears to be like ill suited for this role. Yeah, but like, most it was, people it was are. Like, it was polite. That's yeah. all. Yeah, and I know, but if she wasn't. She's not offensive. Yeah, no, she's she not. really isn't. Next week on a Raw, Luger and Bulldog are going to team up to take on Bam Bam. It's Tonka. Yeah. Great. Better watch Raw. Then we get a promo for WWF Greetings on Call. <laughs> this is amazing. Where you can have wrestlers call somebody if you want. I mean, wow. They really <laughs> had to do some sad shit for money at That's this point. Bad. That, that, is, that is very bad. And we know one of those people is not Sean Mooney because first you'd have to buy a t-shirt in order to get him to call you. <laughs> you know what's funny about this? Yeah. It's like nowadays... They do this, like, that's what the VIP experience at live shows is. Like, you can hang out with the wrestlers, <sighs> but yeah. it costs, like, thousands of dollars. Yeah, right, right. This is $9.95. So they cheap. serious? That is really that cheap. That is so cheap. To have, like, Razor Ramon call you yeah. or something. Hey, man. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever like, it is. I swear, if you want to do anything close to this, it costs, like, a, a grand 
like yeah. easily. Right. Yeah, ten that, bucks, not bad. That's like what the VIP added onto your live tickets. Right, costs. right, right. Yeah. yeah, no, this isn't that bad actually. Yeah. Todd and Stephanie now have some hideous banter about how Razor Ramon called Stephanie. I can't explain the whole thing right now, but She's it's really way terrible. Too late. It's kinda like she has the hots for yeah. Razor, basically. It's awful. You know, it's amazing how people love these things. You still talk about when Razor Ramon called you. See? Huh? See? Means oh. yes in Spanish, Todd. Oh, I know. I just didn't follow your logic. The next award is for best pay-per-view and the winner's WrestleMania 10. I have no objection it's to that. very uh, correct. Uh, yes. Uh, Todd says Royal Rumble, by the way, I remember. And that was weird. No. He, he's an idiot. The Undertaker uh, died pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. We, of course, brag about how Burt Reynolds was there. Of course. Horrible. Right? How are they still talking about this? Like, remember that old American? They brought that shit up? That yeah. was only like a month ago or something. Horrible. Enough with Burt Reynolds. He didn't even matter They're in 94. so happy about that. I know. Evening Shades sucked. Anyway. Yeah. Best manager is next. Stephanie thinks it's going to be Teddy DiBiase. I'm like, no way. How? But but guess you what? know what? He is like the only manager, too, right? And I mean, he is the winner. Yeah, he has to be. Well, Cornette. Cornette. With the head shrinkers. No, don't Captain Lou in Somebody 94. says that. Somebody mentions it. What about Paul Bear? Yeah. There's Paul Bear. I will admit, he, he's he got the Undertaker. That is yeah, one. So there's but a it, few. It's only one guy. It's not when he had Vader and Mankind and a million right. people. But. What about Oscar? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop. Uh, next award is for the best new generation spot. What is, spot what is, what is in like these, ad, yeah. you know, commercial. What are these awards? I don't know. Best commercial? They're just recapping how their year got worse and worse. Yeah. That's all this is. Ugh. And it's hard to argue with this one, though. It's the Brett promo. Yeah, it is a good it's one. It's memorable, admit, right? But I mean, like, what? Is there even a need for an award no. for this? And they show the full version where the dad talks yeah, in the I full think, version. I think, honestly, that this was just filling time. It is. They're like, what's an award where we can play something that eats up a minute? Right. <laughs> you know? Dad, look! It's Brett the Hitman Hart! You have to be quiet, son. He's getting ready for the big match. Honestly, though, if the kid is such a big fan, why the hell is he not in his seat when Brett is about to wrestle? Well, they're, like, on their way out, and then they, like, Brett kind of... But Brett's about by. to wrestle. Go get him, champ. Well, they want to get out in time so they don't miss Brett. Maybe the kid had to take a pee, and his oh, dad true. took him. Like, Why is Brett walking through the bathroom area yeah, with him? Yeah, I mean, that's the only <laughs> assumption I could make, right? <laughs> yeah, and we cut to Stephanie mocking the kid. She's like, wow. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I like her. It's this funny. Is, this is where I was like, holy shit, Stephanie Wine is kind of funny. She is. I'm, like, very impressed with her in this <laughs> show. She's like, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> You ever notice that when Todd is with anyone, Todd's actually worse? Yeah. Like, Todd's the worst person? Well, when he's with Doc, Doc is much worse. Todd's worse. I disagree. They're both bad. Yeah. Todd now talks about the big tag title tournament. Remember, the titles are vacated. Yeah, because Sean and Diesel, they broke up or whatever. We cut to the Bushwhackers versus the Heavenly Bodies. How do the Bushwhackers still have a job? Like, I'm serious. (laughs) They're there forever, Quinn. How are they still here? Until, like, 96. crazy. I know. Uh, For literally no reason, Todd says... The Heavenly Bodies with a French accent. That's weird. I don't know why. The Bushwhackers taking on the Heavenly Bodies. This is from Superstar, so it's Vincent King on commentary. Mike Kyoto's the ref. Bushwhackers also have different attire. They have, like, green on top. So their khaki like, pants are camo colored. Yeah, it's, like, morphing into that, like, remember the weird one with the logo yeah. on the shirts? Like, it's, like, slightly turning into that. Their attire gets really shitty. The camo. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. The Heavenly Bodies look like dump, of course. Dr. Tom grapples with Luke. That big superstar from Rumble 89. Huge superstar. Uh, I was surprised to see Luke getting so little offense here after he, like, took Hulk Hogan out. That's right. Check it out on Patreon. $5 tier. Uh, anyway, some heel cheating leads Vince to call this a classic case of poor officiating. Vince then references Down Under for the Bushwhackers, which is not where they're from. They're from New Zealand, but whatever. The thunder from Down Under, though. Yeah. They do say I that. I know, I know. I'm not calling moves on this, by the way. Delray hooks Butch's leg from the outside when he goes for a suplex. 
Pritchard falls on top for the win. Your winner's the Heavenly Bodies. They advance in the tournament. Yep. Uh, Who cares? <laughs> literally. Promotional consideration is paid for by Quiz Whiz. Bicycle playing cards in case you forgot the cards existed. Yeah, that, what, what a weird, so unnecessary. Uh, and then Mega Man X2 promo, which is actually done by Lord Shit. Now, this is so weird hearing Lord Shit explain the story, the <laughs> canon of Mega Man X2. Yeah, it's so He's funny. Like, you have to battle the X-Hunters who have come <laughs> to take Mega Man's world. Like, and they're like, you know what's funny? I've played Mega Man X2. And yeah. that's accurate. Like, he's not... He actually, like, is reading copy. No, he's definitely reading copy. Yeah. It's so cool, though, because Lord was, like, so somehow low-key still there throughout 95. Which means that he came in and did VO yeah. every week. He did VO for the lo- for the, for those reads only. That's, yeah. like, literally all he was doing Amazing. by that point. Back to Todd and Stephanie to recap the brackets for the tag tournament. So, Bam Bam and Tatanka defeated men on a mission already. Good. And we just saw the other one with the Heavenly Bodies and the Bushwhackers. So, this weekend, the new founder yeah, this, this is okay. So this isn't the new foundation, no. like the Pants Foundation. No. This is like the sinister Owen Hart and Anvil. And but it is essentially the new foundation. It is the new foundation. They're not called that, though. Yeah. And they're taking on the new head shrinkers. That's yeah, Fatu and Sioni. Crappy ones. Ugh. Ugh. And it's not Barbarian sucks or anything. It's just that they're wearing boots and it's just I, bad. I don't like it. It's crummy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's time for our slamming for best etiquette. And it's the head shrinkers because they put on suits and did that left guard commercial, which is horrible. Next, this one surprised me. It's yeah. most devastating. This was bizarre, really. Yeah. It's Bolnacano. Good. Yeah. Even Todd says she's good. Like, yeah. And she's not even like here anymore, right? Well, on and off. Is she's she... there in 95. Yeah. What? For what? She what? loses the title to Alondra Blaze. Oh, I thought she had already lost it. No, she okay. loses it the day after WrestleMania gotcha. 11. Okay. Love you, Bull. I just have to say, yeah. love you, Bull. She's good. Is the show over yet? We, <laughs> we <laughs> like gotta, every late '94 God. thing, you're always asking it's that question. It's so long. Yeah. We go to break. We come back with Stephanie showing the WWF trading cards, which are two ninety five a pack, plus shipping and handling. Shipping? Wouldn't that be like a stamp? <laughs> What's shipping? They're gonna, you know they're going to charge like five bucks too. Put a fucking stamp on the envelope. Trading cards. They make also, some stupid trades, yeah, by the way. It's a very questionable trade too, because Stephanie trades like. IRS for, for like Owen Hart or something, Owen Hart, and it's like Todd's getting like the raw deal, really right? sh- like shafted here. Yeah, and now we uh, bring up Hakushi here, so we throw to him in the ring with Shinja Hakushi Quinn. And late ninety four is weird. Yeah, uh, like he was Hakushi's coming in. already there. Yep. Stan Lane says this is the last match of nineteen ninety four, and Gorilla says nineteen ninety five has got to be bigger than better in ninety four. But he said that in a way as if like. Man, it can't get any worse. Like, 95's gotta be better <laughs> well, than this. I think it can get any worse, <laughs> yeah, but wait till you see 1995. Uh, Hakushi's opponent, Quinn, is Reno Riggins. What, yeah. a, what a way to end the year. Uh, spinning kick by Hakushi. Danny Davis is our ref. His hair is okay. Back foot by Hakushi, then a thrust kick. That guy was awesome, Hakushi. I'll give oh him that. Oh, my God. Yeah, and there's people, like, clapping. Yeah. And gorillas impressed. Wow, like, he's good. <laughs> yeah, I... Gotta say, this is a really good showing for Hakushi. Yeah. Gorilla doesn't like anything by this point, so yeah. for him to compliment anything is yeah, a big it's deal. Amazing. Like he's like, no, Hakushi's good. Right. Stanley makes a really dumb Saki reference as Hakushi drop kicks Riggins out. Hakushi with a high Piscato over the top rope to the floor. Did, then, yeah, these moves, Joe, like it's huge. getting so good that like even Stan Lane stops making Japanese jokes. It's just like this is fucking impressive. That's how you know it's yeah. good. Yeah. Hakushi then heads up all the way up top as Riggins rolls in and he nails this beautiful like tadpole flying headbutt. Hey, that rolled. Great move yeah. there. Gorilla says Reno Riggins is not a bad hand in those words. But Hakushi is making him look horrid. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, Gorilla is like, wow. Yeah. He's like legitimately impressed with Hakushi. Hakushi back on top and he lets a flying head, but for the wind, Gorilla's all, sayonara, baby! 
Bill Dunn, your favorite, Quinn. Yeah. Hakushi! Your winner is <laughs> Hakushi! Get a cough drop, Dunn. Anyway, back to Todd and Steph, where horrible hooked-on phonics references are made about Hakushi. Way to kill the mood after I know. that like, great match. Stupid. <sighs> Next award is the funniest. I can't believe we have more awards. Yeah. Todd thinks it's going to be doink, but no, it's actually dink because he pr- sprayed Sting with silly strings. So- they need to go it's home. It's just Aaron. bad. It's bad. There's only like a minute left or something. Please. Too. Next award is MVP. It's Diesel. Well, I'll give him that. He did win all three titles that yeah. year. And now our final award. It's Best Show, which is WWF Mania. As <laughs> so we see clips of Todd and Steph dancing like pre-mom clothes. Yeah, more Steph. of those. You know, the During Blossom outfits. Yeah, the Blossom yeah. outfits. Todd wants to thank his mother and his brother. Stephanie wants to thank her piano teacher. I want to turn this off. <laughs> Todd's like, I'd like to thank whoever gave Stephanie that shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd like to thank uh, whoever gave Stephanie that shirt. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, one heck of a New Year's shirt. Credits roll now as we get other awards listed. <laughs> Here we go. Under the credits. List them, Joe. Most evolutionary. Gorilla Monsoon. Get it? Gorilla. Yep. And King Kong Bundy. So uh-huh. Most patriotic. Lex Luger. Best dre- best dressed Jim Cornette. No. And most heart. One, two, three, kid. And to close out, Stephanie sings moving on up as Todd cackles. And Ugh. I am just absolutely sickened by this ending. Ugh, that's that's it. This was corny. This was pointless. <laughs> this was banal. And it was actually kind of okay. Yeah, it was fast paced. <laughs> some terrible 90s shit. But it sort of was like happy so it's like thumbs in the middle like it's like i don't know how what else to say it's like i couldn't like be mad at the end right it's just like ah bye steph and and todd like we'll see you next week or whatever it was not good at all but i kind of liked it (laughs) yeah i I can't explain it i don't know how else to say it yeah it's It's, like it's objectively terrible and pointless there's nothing good on it but it's still kind of hakushi shit was fun that was the only good thing but it was it wasn't good but i enjoyed it yeah, I don't know how to By say way, that. Good job on them putting Hakushi at the end, so you didn't weren't like as mad, right? Like, going out of it, <laughs> you're like, maybe nice I'll watch note. Mania next right. week. <laughs> like, you know, well, folks, we hope we went out on a good note for you here as we kick off season seventeen, episode number one sixty one. Of course, we will be back next week. We'll be doing the first ever Royal Flush for managers. We'll have another influence segment again. Send us your suggestions on that. You do that at OVP Podcast on Twitter. Email us OVP Podcast at gmail.com or join the group. You can join. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Really some great worthwhile content there if you have a few bucks to spare. And if you have iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. But until next week, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are moving on up. See ya. WWF fans, you can make any occasion a special occasion with WWF Greetings on Call. Brett the Hitman Hart, Razor Ramon, Lex Luger, and even The Undertaker are all available to make a personal phone call to anyone you want by name. Have them call that special someone and sing Happy Birthday or a number of other selected greetings. And you can even leave your own personal message. Ah, this is your father. Congratulations on your promotion, but when are you going to get a real job? Stop!